Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Kobe blue blood flowing through our veins. Sitting in the bleachers in the rain. We shed a million tears and drank as many old stuff years out at the game. Let's go, Kobe Sorrento. With Michael Sorrento. And Crawley Sorrento. And the level of a voice. With Michael Sorrento. And Crawley Sorrento. And the love of a voice. Sorrento. I'm Sun Ranto, otherwise known as Danny Rocket, and I am here to restore your faith in humanity. Look at that. Chicago Tribune, everybody. Sun Ranto's big time. Look at me. Cover girl. Who's your cover girl? Danny, it's you. Did you put the podcast in there at least? Did you get some podcast? You know, I tried. They didn't quote me. I tried to I tried to come down uh, tough on Ricketts. I, I had remember I had a quote that said something to the effect of here in Chicago, we're such good people to each other that we deserve a baseball team that matches our goodness, or something like to that effect. I'm paraphrasing myself, but I, I gave it uh, the best shot. They didn't uh, say anything about our podcast. They didn't say anything about the Cubs. Even um, they just—I'm uh, just here to restore your faith in humanity. Read it and weep. Other podcasts. It's Danny Rocket. <laughs> in humanity in the Chicago Tribune this this Sunday too full color this is the color paper by the way did you know the Sunday Trib now cost five dollars wow I mean I remember when it was a a dollar yeah I'm like an old man but I mean five times what it was when I was in high school it cost that's a lot I well, mean it's got to be a little more expensive I just you know but it seems weird since they're just firing everybody. So, you know, speaking of which, it, it, it's an, an, a friend of the show is having a big birthday today, no? Yeah, well, today is, well, a couple people, okay? Uh, j- today is John Baker's 40th birthday. I always forget that he's he's so young because he's wise yeah. beyond his years. But oh, uh, four, oh, nice. Yeah, so he's 40 uh, today. And uh, also, our friend down in Puerto Rico, Jose Orlando Mercado, uh, I believe he's 86 today. I believe. I don't know. I, I got to <laughs> cut him open, count the rings. And also, Bexy Ashworth up in Canada, uh, who played, you guys know the song, I Didn't Come Here for a Haircut, the John Lackey classic. My favorite. I wrote the violin player on there. That's Bexy Ashworth. She just happened to be staying with me and her husband, Kevin, when she was pregnant with the twins that they currently have. And she, they were staying with me, and uh, that's when I was writing that song. It was 2016. Uh, John Lackey had said, you know, his quote about the haircut. I wrote that song. I was like, you know what sounds good on this? Fiddle. She's like, I play the fiddle. I was like, get out of here. I don't have a fiddle. So I borrowed a fiddle off of somebody, just like through Twitter. And uh, it was ended up through the, my theater. 
got her a fiddle, recorded her, and now she's forever immortalized on there, and she has twins. And uh, they, and those twins were once sleeping in the futon right behind me where this that uh, fiddle was recorded. So happy birthday to everybody. I do want to mention that this is brought to you. We got another Patreon patron this week. Thanks for jumping on. That makes 94 patrons right now. So thank you. The show's completely brought to you by those wonderful pillars of humanity. And uh, I do want to mention that I do have the John Baker Day shirts, the anti-racist shirts. If you give a donation to the Lost Boys at lostboyswithazinc.org, I will send you a shirt. That's how that's going to work. Just let me know, sunranto at gmail.com, Twitter, at sunranto, all that stuff. You know, I, I saw the happy birthday to John Baker, and then we're talking about the shirts and John Baker Day. Saw this on Twitter uh, as a reply, you know, from A. Pyron. Thank you for contributions to the Chicago Women's Battered Women's Network. I don't, I don't know what all the letters are, but yeah, it's the network man, that I, we did. That's Amanda Pyron, who actually last, uh, I guess it was 2018, John Baker Day. Amanda came uh, to John Baker Day and gave a speech and let us know all about the Metropolitan Batters Women's Network. So, you know, all said and done, I think we raised about you know between five, six grand a year. The five mm-hmm. years running from 2016 on to last year. And, yeah, and she says, still one of our funnest events. So it's it's fun to it's fun to raise money for people who, that need it. Makes feel good too. And I'll say one more thing about John Baker is like he was passing through town, and he was around at the end of last week. And I forgot that he was going to be there, and he was going to stay down at our friend Tony's house, which is right by Wrigley Field. He's got an Airbnb that John had rented with his family uh, over the twenty twenty season. Um, and, uh, so he was staying over there drinking, drinking whiskey with Tony all night. And I was like, oh shit, I forgot John was going to be there. I was going to drop off some shirts to him, but I went down there and I walked down there on uh, Saturday morning and John was leaving and he was going to, he's driving to Pittsburgh and, you know, I kind of talked, I talked to him, his wife for a little bit and, you know, Tony's, Tony's kids were playing with John's kids. And, and, you know, here's the thing, John was going to move here. John was going to move to Chicago and be our neighbor. But instead, you know, I heard the whole story. You know, Pittsburgh wanted to talk to him, which means it's a promotion. So John, you know, took the promotion. He's excited about it. But, you know, I think he is going to miss us all. And he was very clear with that. And as I left that day and saw the crappy snowman that his kids built with uh, Tony's kids, I was, like, really sad that, there's this missed opportunity here with um, with John going to another team, and that's baseball, that's showbiz. You know what I mean? A lot of people passed through my life, but I was I was sad on Saturday knowing that he was not going to be around anymore. Well, I got someone. I got someone that can cheer you up. You I do. do. I do. I have a gentleman here, a guest. We we do that will absolutely put a smile on your face because he always puts a smile on my face. You know who we got? No, I have no idea. Wait, is it? Is it uh, uh, Tom Ricketts? No, it is not. <laughs> Tom Ricketts can't afford to be on the call. Yeah, Tom, Tom Ricketts had to sell his webcam just to make rent. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Stuart McVicker from Club Four Hundred. Stuart, I, I, how's it going? We had you on at the Cubs convention night uh, and uh, sure, sure. up on the rooftop. That was awesome, dude. Yeah, sorry it was so dark. Uh, you know, <laughs> that was the thing. It was it was uh, really dark. I was, there's no lights on. 
at all. So good. That's how Wrigley's supposed to be. No lights at Wrigley. <laughs> the good old days. Before we start, guys, I'm a little. I am worried about Crowley. I'm not going to lie. Uh, all these uh, negative things going on with the Cubs right now. I'm worried about his well-being. I'm worried about his mental health. Crowley, you know what you said it best, man. Like what we are, we are promised, right? I think you're, we are promised that we're going to do one rebuild, and that's it. And now it looks like we're headed to another rebuild. I, I don't understand it. Stu, you were you were at those events with Theo and, and when when they were the season ticket holder events, and said, and he, they were so forthcoming and honest with us. We're, we have to tear this down. There, we have nothing. We have nothing to work with. We're going to do this. Give us four or five years, and you're going to see the results. And then we'll never have to do that again. That's what we were told. Dead, dead straight up, man. I wish I, I can't believe I didn't record it, but that's what they told us. Uh, well, I, I, Theo, Theo is right. Theo's never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, out the door. Well, Stuart, I wanted to have I, you I on. We, I know I came on to talk about Club 400, but I would like to say this. I, you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, obviously a lot. And bottom line is, you can't have these ticket prices with this team that you know is not going to go anywhere this year and i would like to ask rizzo behind closed doors you know what do you think rizzo i mean he's obviously going to go out and give 100 percent like he always does knowing that you know he's just playing for pretty i mean playing for stats that's i mean you know you play to win don't get me wrong but i mean no you're not you're not the cubs aren't beating the dodgers next year you know? i think he just likes doing the splits personally that's why he's out there you know, Stuart, you know, I've been arguing with people about this lately because, you know, people are saying, well, what do you want them to do? Look at what the Tampa Bay Rays do. Look what the Tampa Bay Rays do. They do this all the time. And I said, fine, then charge me Tampa Bay Rays ticket prices. What are they, like 25th, yeah. 26th as far as the cost? It's got to be the bottom five for a ticket price in Tampa Bay. Right, and you get your whole own section. Your whole section's yours. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's not like you didn't have anything to work with. That's what I don't understand. You got a, you got a core of like four or five guys that you could build the team around, and now it seems like what's happening next? Chris Bryant's going to be gone or Wilson Contreras? Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. I, I think, <laughs> honestly, I think it's going to be Contreras will be the next to go. Yeah, they're, no, they're, they're tearing it down, and it, and it sucks for all of us. But, you know, I, I know that, you know, it's – I, I know that that part of it's terrible, but it's the same place. I know we have a text threat go, thread going with our friend Tom, and Tom was describing it today that you know the loser Cubs are kind of like a comfortable old shoe to him. He's like, it's like now this feels right. He's like oh. being mad at them, just thinking that we're gonna suck, doormat of the Central or the East or whatever it would be. You know, this feels like my childhood. So, I, I, and I know there's something to complaining that I know we like to do on this show. <laughs> That is fun for us, but at the same time, it was nice to win those few years. And and Crawley had retorted in that text thread. Actually, I got used to winning, and I would like to keep it there. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm I got used to at least being a competitive baseball team and thinking you had a chance. You know, guys, think about all the fun that we've had going to games. I was at the Bodie game. I was at the walk off Hayward. I was at the the Miggy walk off. You know, I mean, so many things that were just so fun. That's a lot better than losing. I'll always enjoy being at Wrigley, but Wrigley, when they're winning and competitive, there's nothing better. You know, but, you know about what you guys and I would like to ask your opinion on this. Like, dude, I think, for, I think first of all, there's. Obviously, you go online, there's a lot of di disgust with the Cubs right now in a lot of different ways. And then you have this White Sox team full of young guys, energetic guys, 
that are going to put a, they're, they're going to make a run this year no matter what, and their ticket prices are going to be the core of the cost. I don't know, man. I could see some people, and you know, with the current uh, climate, political climate, people's like saying, "Fuck the Cubs, we're going to go to the White Sox." You know, and you know what? I think that's. I would never say. I would never have said that, but you know what? You know, things change. You know, I, I'm worried about the Cubs losing fans. I really am. The, the yep. only thing keeping me from from jumping on that bandwagon, I'm not leaving the Cubs, but you know, I was thinking about jumping on the the 2021 Sox bandwagon. The only reason I'm not all in, got one foot on the ground, Tony Larusa. <laughs> out, outside of that, man, that team looks great. I feel like that was that was the backroom deal that Reinsdorf did with Ricketts. He's like, okay, build an exciting team in Chicago, but you cannot steal my fans. Okay, well, how do I do that? He's like, you got to <laughs> hire Tony LaRusso as your manager. That we're, we're I don't know. I mean, I uh, I know Reinsdorf. He's a very uh, loyal person. I mean, if you, any employee will ever tell you, he's the most uh, like look at Steve Stone. He'll never leave the uh, White Sox again. And like, I think Len also kind of knew that about Reinsdorf, and probably has met him in the past. And uh, is, you know, so, they're they're loyal people. But like, I think that decision was more, made more with heart than with. Uh, yeah, you know that, but see, that was what killed the Soxes for so many years. They they made so many mistakes like that, and then they finally let Rick Hunt take over. He does everything perfectly right. He's putting the cherry on the ice cream sundae, and they take the ice cream sundae away from him. Right when he he's about to get that manager like we did when we had Joe Madden in 2015, that final piece that you needed. And you think about the good managers that they could have had, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, even if they just got somebody from within or – I mean, they had a good manager. I mean, Ricky Renteria was great. I mean, a lot of people will credit him. I mean, he got the shit end of the stick as far as the Cubs rebuild went. But, you know, a lot of people – the shit end of the stick over there on the south side, the south side too. I mean, that's what – that's Ricky's uh, thing. always, a, always a, a bridesmaid. I can tell you that he reminds me very much of Doug Collins. If you remember, I know Michael was talking about the 90s Bulls a while back on his show. But Doug Collins was a guy that, you know, can really build a team and develop a team but can't take them to the next level. If you yeah, saw he was gone right before that big run. And if you saw Renteria, like his his coaching decisions during the playoffs left a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah. He yeah. looked you don't notice it as much in 162 games, but when the spotlight's on, that's a different story. Well, Joe Madden, people still yell about game seven that we won. I still yell about it. <laughs> I'm still upset about those decisions. I can't believe he left Hendricks in and, and, uh, or took him out. And again, I can't believe he left Chapman in in game six. What an idiot. Well, and, and now we know that he's an idiot because the only pitcher worth keeping off of that team is Hendricks. Well, oh, wait. That's, maybe hey, that's not real. <laughs> like, honestly, you guys don't think they would trade Kyle Hendricks, do you? I think everything's on the table. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no on that. I, you you have to have some pitching. You have to have somebody. They have literally gotten rid of every pitcher from the rotation last year. You know, Alec. None. No. Think of this. Other than Mills and um, the guy that they got in the Darvish trade. Uh, help me out here. Uh, uh, Zid- no, no, any of those players. So I can't help you out. Sorry. Zach. No, that's <laughs> Zach Davies. Zach Davies. Davies. One actual player right. in there. Zach that- Davies. So you got Hendricks and Davies are the only guys that have ever thrown like a 162 game season. They got Shelby Miller, but I don't think he's thrown one since 2014. So I mean, yeah. it doesn't really help you a lot. So you don't you you got to have somebody that can throw the ball every fifth day. Yeah. Well, before we get into all the baseball stuff, because we got a whole list of all this stuff that we're going to talk about, the reason 
that I wanted to have you on, Stuart, is because you kind of mentioned it the other night on our uh, Cubs convention show that uh, you're kind of focusing Club 400's efforts, which you've already raised over half a million dollars for different charities over the last, what, five, six years it's been? Yeah, since 2000, we opened up Club 400 to the public. Uh, in 2014, that was our first party. Right, and and I should say this: if you don't know who Stuart McVicker is, where he is right now is in his basement, which is also called Club 400. He throws awesome parties. He brews a beer. Uh, most recently, he had Ray Burris out for a very private and uh, socially distanced uh, event out in in Club 400, and and you recorded a podcast out there, which I actually listened to today. And uh, I know that you've, you're kind of pivoting. A lot of people struggling mentally right now. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, for obvious reasons, it's been a shit, a shit year. Uh, we're almost going on a year now that everything's been locked down. But um, you, I know we've known a lot of people that struggle. We recently had a death in our Club 400 family due to COVID-19. Right. Uh, and, you know, very and so did we. In the Ranter family, a uh, good friend, Mike Presnowski, his father just died, ex-retired policeman, just died from COVID. And, uh, you know, so a lot of people that are close to our family being touched by this, that's not the only reason people are struggling. But, Stuart, that's what you guys focused on, you and Ray, and Ray's kind of attitude towards things. And uh, is Ray an, um, uh, like uh, a... Uh, a motivational speaker sometimes, or is that just who he is? I'll tell you what, that's just who he is. I mean... He- um can you guys see me good no we can't this is right. this is a repeat of the other night all of a sudden we can't see it we can't but we can hear you just fine Stuart. i'm gonna okay he's gone well let you me know, know the ahead. other thing about ray burris if you listen to the club 400 podcast the man can sing what was he singing danny he, he was uh, my girl my girl yeah he's, my girl. he's got a pretty quick vibrato like, you know, the vibrato, the, the shake of it. He's like, my bed, you would say. Like, he sounded good. And uh, he sounded a little shy. Like, I'd like to hear him. Because he was put on the spot. He was singing a cappella with no music. I would love to hear Ray, like, throw down when he's had a few at the bar with a band behind him. I think he could probably really, really turn it up. But Stuart's going to come back as soon as he can. But one, oh, here he is. Stuart, you're back with us. I'm back. You know what? I had I had an alert come in on a tweet, and I accidentally hit it, and then I got taken out of it. And all of a sudden, you're in Twitter. That's how uh, – That's how. Uh, what's, who's the leader of Twitter? I always forget. Zuckerberg's the Facebook guy. Jack. Jack, Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. how Jack wants it to be. But, yeah. no, Stuart, talk to me about Ray Burris and, like, kind of what you guys were focusing on the other night. And if you don't know the Club 400 podcast, look it up. It's wherever podcasts are. But um, – why don't you? Uh, I'll tell you when we, when we started doing the Club 400 podcast. You know, first of all, you guys know what you're doing, right? I'm not going to have a podcast because honestly, you guys are way smarter than me. I'm not going to lie. When it comes to baseball, you guys are. I mean, I love the game and stuff like that. Uh, but when we when we came out with the podcast, it was an extension of Club 400. And if anybody out there doesn't know what Club 400 is, I'll give you a short uh, dose of it. But we we actually I, I built the ultimate Chicago Cubs man cave, and I built it because. When I walk into Wrigley Field, uh, I forget all life's worries and problems. And I wish I could be at all 80, 82, 81 games every year, but I can't. So I wanted to build the next place, next best place besides Wrigley Field. And I, uh, that was my basement. I wanted a place that I could come down, forget about life's worries and problems, and just hang out down here and have a good time for my friends. 
And that's all it was going to be. Now, luckily, I was saving stuff since I was eight, nine years old. So I had a lot of stuff that I saved for the basement. And then, um, you know, uh, I, so think about this. For four years, I was telling my, my, my friends and family uh, that I was building this man cave. And I would never let anybody see it. Like, it was private. The only people that saw it was, of course, my family and the contractors that came through the doors. But I was like, I'm going to show this, like, f- the finished product. So imagine listening to your buddy talk about something for four years, you know, and then, like, taking these probably crazy whack job. And um, it took four years basically because of money, you know. All these uh, contractors, they want to come in, they want to get paid with it, right? That was Freaking money. money. <laughs> and, uh, so it took that long because of money more than anything. And I wanted to do everything right the first time, not have any regrets. But when I showed it to people, uh, because maybe I was so close to it for four years, I kind of lost how maybe cool it was or whatever else. Uh, cause I was part of every process. Um, people came up to me and they said, you know, you got something here. I don't know what you got here, but you got something here. And it really made me think because no one told me what I had. Uh, but, uh, you know, basically, I mean, I didn't know, like here I spent all this money on this place. Right. And I never thought, you know, I was just going to open it up to the public, you know? Like, I mean, like, that's what we do. Anybody can come to a Club for 100 party. You just got to know about the party, and you can sign up and, and, and you buy a ticket. Buy know? a ticket, and when and when you hit your limit, which, I mean, and it's not a small party. We're talking 250, 300 people at some of the big ones where you're – Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking, you, yeah, big time. So you would cut down the trees in your backyard and, and put down wood <laughs> chips because everybody tore up your yard so bad. Like, you know, and it, so you've, you've actually sacrificed – it's very generous for you to open your home and especially because, you know, it's, it's a lot to work for, you know, what you're, you work, you know, you put, you're hiring the caterers, you're getting the cleaners, you, you've got, you've got to run the thing, you're selling the tickets, you're dealing with the memorabilia and the auction and you're doing the, and you're doing the, the podcast and, and you're making sure everything's running on time and you're making sure everybody's happy. What you do is run around, and then you somehow manage to get fall down drunk and have the time of your life at the same time. And it's uh, amazing. Of course. You know? here's, the, here's the thing. There, there's kind of two different stewards. There's this, the everyday normal steward that's a blast and a lot of fun. But the night of events, he keeps it together, but you know he's like kind of like really tense. And then all of a sudden when it's all over, it's like – Woo, it's just like done and relaxed because yeah, there are so many moving parts. Oh, when, when you close the doors at the bar, that's the best time to be at the bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100% on that. And you know what? Yeah, like if someone's going to come out and buy a $250 ticket. But, oh, and let me – so the people who don't know anything about Club Horner. So Nick Sheridan, my good friend, comes over. He's a triple amputee. Tells me he crashed his car because his arm fell off while driving. He does like sprint car racing. And, like, we were talking about buying him a new wing, you know. And then um, and the more and more we talked, I was like, he doesn't need a new wing for his car. This guy needs – I looked at his prosthetics. They look like junk, you know. So I was like, man, you know, I should do something for this guy. So we threw a fundraiser. Tom Ricketts was our first guest ever. He kind of opened the door for us. And that night we raised $30,000, and we had a really awesome time. And, you know, what? Wow. I said, you know what? I think we found out what this place is going to be. And my good friend Wes said – one time he called me up and he said, Stu, what the hell are you doing over there anyways? It sounds like Cub fans helping Cub fans to me. And I said, you know what? Can I, can I take that? Because uh, I'm going to use that as our phrase. So our thing, our, our tagline is Cub fans helping Cub fans. Yeah, and then the Cubs sued you. So that, yeah. that's <laughs> so, uh, the, um, so I, 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 I Did like they the really? 
No, no, no. They have oh, not. They, they, sued, they sued Crawley. They sued Crawley instead of Sue just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I have a, a pretty decent relationship with Tom Ricketts. You know, he's been out here twice. He told me in 2014 or 15 or what was it? No. Yeah, 2014, 13, 14, when he came out here for Nick, you know, I, I kind of put him on the spot. and I said, hey, Tom, you're going to bring the Cubs to the World Series. We all know that. When you do, when you make one final stop, come to Club 400. And he actually did. He honored that. And we, um, that party raised $35,000 for a boy that just went through a heart transplant. Um, I do want to say this before uh, you know we move on to anything else. Um, th- this year, Club 400 raised sixty-three thousand dollars. Yeah, and we went over the half million dollar mark. That's actually monies. That's money actually given away. That's not like total gross of Club 400. Total yeah. gross of Club 400, we're over a million dollars. But you know we have to pay the players, we have to pay the catering, we have to pay all the bills. You know, and then what? How the party works is I don't take a dime from it. I never have. I have my own HVAC business, and that's why it really works for me. I don't. I don't have like. I tell you what, my business owes um, uh, club for yeah. My business owes club four hundred money. Let's put it that way because I took <laughs> I took my own money out. Yeah, and uh, I, you know if we got to get something done, we'll get it done. That that that's how it runs because there's always hidden costs with a party. When you know you're like we're out. Of, somebody's like we're out of this. We got to go get this, and you just hand the guy like fifty bucks. You're like go. You know, that, that never gets counted, but that's always coming out. No, that's, that's how it works. And, you know, Stuart, it's like every, you know, that's where I had Javi tag me. Like I, right. I, I walk up to Javi. I'm like, Hey, I got an idea for a picture, Javi. You tag me. And he's like, sure. And so I got this great picture of Javi tagging me back on my wall. You can see right behind me. Um, it, it's me and Schwarber just right, right over, but this where I'm pointing right now. That's me and Schwarbs. You know, it's like, dude, these are, these are Cubs experiences that are rare. That you can be hanging out, like getting drunk with Gary Matthews at your bar. I will tell you, there's an obvious shirt, and I haven't bought it yet. And next time I see Stu, I'm going to buy one from him. But it's an obvious shirt that says, if I'm not at Wrigley Field, I'm at Club 400. Yeah. And that, to me, if you're a Cub fan, the ultimate mecca, of course, is Wrigley Field. But not far behind that is Club 400. And, and that's... Uh, I have a one of my favorite pictures is Danny and I took a professional picture with Mitch Williams with a guitar after singing him a song. Like it, the, the memories there, but more than anything, the friendships has just been absolutely just so much fun. Let, let's put it this way, you guys, and this is the truth: I don't meet you guys if it wasn't for Club Warner. Not any one of you guys. I don't, you know. I mean, I would know Crowley at the Cubs convention because he asks the first question every fucking time. <laughs> Everybody at Cubs convention, <laughs> even if it's your first time. Right. You so, will, no joke. You... I think I was telling Crowley this the other night. I don't know if I told you guys this, but, like, you know, so I built Club 400. We were starting to grow, and I'm like, I wonder when fucking Crowley's going to show up because he's going to find <laughs> And I didn't even know him at all. Well, and, know, and you were part of you were part of the first, uh, what, John Baker Day or Unconventional? One of the two. All of them. I mean, Stuart's yeah. always been involved in every single thing that we've ever done at, at for a Sunranto show. You're always showing up. You run you run thick with a crowd. So, you know, Stuart always runs with like five, ten people every time he goes anywhere. Been at almost everything that I've ever thrown. And, and, you know, it's just like we had the same ideas, so we've always joined forces. I've gotten to play music out there. You've given me special experiences singing that song with Crawley for Mitch Williams and having him <laughs> fall over laughing when I was making fun of Letty Dykstra. Like, things like that. So I, I will, I'll never forget, uh, Danny. One of the things I always remember – I think one of – I mean, we've had a lot of great parties, and we'll talk about – we'll go to the initial question, the Ray Burris thing. But uh, 
I think uh, uh, two years ago, the Christmas party with Miggy Montero, when you were doing uh, Christmas songs, man, and you sang, like, fun, Miggy, you wrote a song for Miggy? Or you wrote a Christmas song with Miggy? Yeah, and yeah. I had a couple Dude, of Miggy's face was priceless. I mean, Miggy's face was priceless. I, I, right then I knew. I knew we had Miggy. I knew we had Miggy. Oh, uh, then, I don't know if it was the Christmas song or the fact that Miggy and I made out one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> Miggy made Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Made out with Crawley. He drank like six whiskeys and then he signed my giant check and wondered why I needed $2,000 for a guitar because that's where you guys gave me. I, I didn't even mention that. You guys gave me two. Wait, I'm, it's right above my head. $2,069.69 for a guitar because I had cracked my guitar at a, <laughs> playing at the Club 400 tailgate. And so you're like, Danny needs a new guitar. I mean, yeah. Well, did, well, guys, Michael, my, Michael's behind that big time. I think I talked to him on the phone. Um, Nicole, my, yeah, yeah, my Nicole, girlfriend. Nicole, yeah. a beautiful uh, girlfriend. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of people behind it. And it was, it was basically one of those things where, uh, you know, the ranchers donated. And I was going to say, college. yeah, the ranchers really came through on that. There was it probably got, 40 different people that. Yeah, there was a lot. Of, it was a, that was a, definitely a mixed group. But I think um, because of the timing of it, we were doing a Christmas party. I said, you know what, let's, let's you know, because we were wondering how we're going to get it to you. Like, well, let's give it to you at the Christmas party at Club 400. Uh, you know, that was awesome. But, yeah, I mean, I'll never forget. That was the Miggy uh, event. That. You damaged your guitar when you were with us playing at our uh, tailgate party. It wasn't party. your fault, though. It was my drunk fault. I got <laughs> in the cab and smashed it. But um, I, let me talk. <laughs> Danny got all full of himself, started smashing guitars on the stage. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of drunk, Stuart, why do you make these Club 400 so damn good? I can't just have just one. No, I'll I'm, tell you what, you guys. Another good thing about the, the beer is, and, like, uh, complete honesty and transparency. Um, you know, when we started making the beer, there, there was like five different versions out. Like when I say dive, we were always trying to get it to where we wanted. So that's a nice thing with working uh, with a small brewery and a brewmaster that likes to, uh, you know, you know, mess around with his recipes. So we we we, we tried different yeast. Uh, Club Four Hundred. The first yeast we used was a Mexican yeast. Now we're using the standard yeast, but. Uh, um, so we messed around with it, got to like the whole thing about the club 400 lager is we wanted a beer like Danny, Danny's not a big dr beer drinker. I know that Danny's uh, more of a, uh, you know, white claw guy. Or I, mean, whatever. I, I got a, a Vizzy tonight. Yeah, Vizzy. <laughs> it was on sale, but we wanted a beer that anybody could drink. Like, you, you know what we call, I call it a shower. Like 
a shower beer, a lawnmower beer, you know, something that's very easy that you could pound. Six shower months. beer. <laughs> I'm not a one and done beer because I'm not a one and done guy, you know. So I wanted, I wanted like something you could drink a twelve pack of if you're, you know, going to go to a concert or something, you know. So good for all nine. Delivered and he delivered, you know. But um, so the whole thing about the the beer was it was supposed to be a charity beer, and but because we were thinking with the recipe and whatever else, so and then the pandemic hit. Well, I'm going to pick up my first check um, from Crystal Lake Brewery, almost like $1,000 on Friday, uh, for money, proceeds from the beer, donated to Club 400. And that gives me an opportunity to, uh, you know, like when we have, this is an important thing. And, you know, I, I do have a woman that helps me out, Carol Ostergaard. I don't know if you, got, you see her at the events and stuff like that, but she runs my books. And she gets mad at me because, like, but the, my thought process is this. It's pretty simple. Like, if we throw a party for a cause, you know. And um, I'm going to use every single dollar of that money um, to put towards the, that particular cause because if you're coming for that cause, then that money is going to go to that cause. So because of that, and I like to spend money as this, um, you know, we, we spend all our money once we get it. So I, I keep a minimum of $1,500. It's just so I don't get checking fees from Chase, you know. But all our money goes to the right spots at all times. And, uh, you know, we've had some people out of the blue just donate money. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many requests I get through our website, www.club400cubs.com. You can go on there. You can email me. And I can't actually fulfill any obligations because we don't have any money in our account, you know. So it'll be nice because of that beer is going to give us um, additional added revenue. That's that great. We can buy tickets for four for a family that hasn't been to a game because their son's sick or something like that. We can do cool stuff like that, you know? And the other cool thing – the other thing that I recommend, and this is what I did, is that, like, I went to my local liquor store, if you're in the Chicagoland area, and be like, hey, do you have Crystal Lake Brewery? You know, and sometimes they'll be like, yeah, you know, we got the blonde. And I'll be like, oh, do you guys got Club 400? If they have any Crystal Lake Brewing, you just tell them what you want, man. Make and so, fun. like – Right. My liquor store guy down there, I said, dude, you got to help me out. You, you, you got Crystal Lake. You just don't have Club 400. So he purposely orders it, and I come in and I buy it. You guys, I mean, you see me. I drink it on the show all the damn time. You know what? Our, our goal is, and you would have saw it happen last year, I think our entry bar, I mean, we had an output, which was by um, Full Shilling. Uh, I think our intro bar, well, actually, it's being carried right now by Big League Burgers on Ir uh, Irving Park Road. And, you know, I'm going to give those guys a shout-out. I don't know. Peter owns that place. It just opened up. He opened up this new burger bar in the middle of the pandemic. It's right and, as you get off the highway and go into Wrigley. So it's a few miles away. It's closer to the highway, I believe, than it is to Wrigley uh, for Irving Park. But if you're getting off 90 or 94 there, you get off at Irving Park. That's kind of the normal place you go. You can grab a burger on your way to the ballpark. If you're a little hungry, then you don't have to pay uh, Wrigley prices. You buy it there. What's the name of the joint? Uh, Big League Burgers, and I'll tell you one thing. Easy to this, remember. This is the only reason why I bring it up, guys. So I didn't know what I was walking. So I was notified by Crystal Lake Brewery that they're carrying Club 400 beer, okay? And I knew they were a baseball thing. But when I went there, this guy, Peter, uh, he's a diehard Cubs fan like all of us are. And he put his heart and soul into this restaurant. I mean, it's pretty – like, for instance, like, you know how you get a tray? The uh, the tray cover, the tray sheet is Game 7 us. Uh, scorecard you know i mean he's oh, thought, nice. thought of everything and like to down to the light fixtures down to the door handles man he, he made it feel like a, you know i thought you know our shield's going down there you know our logo's going to go down uh, it's a club 400 mashup with a burger joint well and there's there's certain there's certain bars and restaurants that are club 400 approved once they get the shield exactly we yeah. give away shields 
we give away shields. Like I gave a, sh- a shield to John Maley. I gave one to Ray Burst. When you get a shield, and maybe Crawley's Clubhouse might get a shield. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they will. <laughs> so let's talk. Can we talk a little bit? I'm going to drop the podcast link here in the chat. Um, and this is just from your pod bean, whatever. You can find it everywhere. Club 400 Radio. And I listened to it today. The Ray Burris, uh, the Ray Burris show. And what you're focusing on now is mental health of, of people, of you know, a lot of people are struggling right now. And, you know, I know that you've had friends that have taken their own lives, at, you know, over this past year and just had a, that have had a rough time. A lot of kids are struggling, you know, being out of school. But um, what exactly were you, well, Ray Burris, how did that okay. come about? And why Ray, yeah. is he like Ray. the guy, why is he like just a, a literally a Ray, because his name is Ray of Sunshine. His name should be Ray of Sunshine Burris. So yeah, you know what he's you know you know you talk to certain people and, and you kind of connect to them on a different level you know that's how I kind of connected to Ray but you know Ray's first visit here and we are trying to confirm that was I believe the night we gave William money because William was you know William my podcast partner Garen who was the one who got me to do the podcast he was just someone that was coming to the events you know and now he's like a, now he's like a brother to me I mean we're brothers pretty much you know and. Uh, he was so happy. He, he couldn't believe that we were giving money away to somebody. And he, and he, you know what? Some people get what we're all about. Like some players get it really good. Some players are too busy to get it, and they don't. You know, they're too busy with their own lives. Everybody's but, got a charity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody's got a charity. But um, so yeah, uh, I'll set up the party because I think it's so. Uh, we had a party uh, out in, in September. We well, it wasn't really a party. We had a baseball game with the Randy Hunley campers and we played the nine inning game and people came in from all over the United States. Um, you know, baseball, it was pretty sick. We played in two dugouts. We had the dugout sprayed. We, we, you know, people wore masks. We did it the right way. And, um, so we had a party and at that party, we raised 17, $17,000 for Zach Hartman, who's uh, actually going through skin cancer right now. He's going through hell. And, uh, but we auctioned off two club 400 parties. And one of them was to another camper named Chris, where you're allowed to bring 15 of your friends and family to, to my house, and we were going to throw a party for you around a football game or whatever. And that's exactly what we were going to do. Well, I got a call from Brian Fries, who's a good friend of mine, and he said, hey, Ray's in town, and he wants to see you. And I said, oh, man, I'm kind of booked. I got something. And he said, well, I said, you know, you know, you, you could come over to my house, you know. And, so, and Ray was all about it. So I knew that Ray was coming to my house with this, this uh, Chris uh, McLaren, who donated $1,500, for, uh, and – and I knew we had Ray coming. So I reached out, no shit, to about three or four people that I knew were really hurting bad. Like, you know, some you know, going through divorce or whatever else, some, you know, splitting up with others. People Financial hardships. Yeah, just like I, I, I invited what I'll, I'll consider some broken souls over to my house. And that's kind of what I told Ray. But so I got Ray down here. Because and the reason why I did that is because Ray was here, and we already had told Ray that we were going to do a podcast. So, but I grabbed Ray and I went to the back room with him, where the Golden Tea is located, and I said, "Hey, Ray, listen, buddy, we're going to go up there and we're going to do a podcast." But you know what? I want—I don't even care if we talk about baseball. You know, I think you're a good person to to talk to us and try to bring about unity because, like, right now the world needs a little bit more unity, as you guys know. And, like, just love and compassion and, and uh, caring for other people. Like, you know, I mean, shit, you know, we all might have different views. But at the end of the day, uh, I, like I told William, we'll agree on the top 
10 main things in life, you know? It's just when you trickle down, that's when you get a little separation, you know? But we all, yeah. we all, we all agree for the most part on, on the most important things in life. But I, what I told Ray is I said, Ray, you know, we got some broken souls in the room tonight. I said, let's go up there and let's, uh, let's bring love to this room because this room needs some love right now. I don't think anybody's really happy in this room right now. I mean, who's really happy right now? Like, we can't even hang out with our friends for crying out loud. We can't go to, a, you know, no one's happy right now. We're just trying to get by. We're all trying to buy another day, you know, and uh, that's what we're doing. We're just I'm dead. just drinking my happiness. <laughs> I just, I'm just like, oh, let's open another Vizzy and see how this night ends up. <laughs> right. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't cancel myself with a tweet tonight, but maybe I will. <laughs> I, I've, I've never found happiness in the bottom of my bottle, but I keep looking. I keep looking. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> I, and that's what struck me. And I do want to look. I look a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. I, and, but I, but I do think that we're going to come out of it. Okay. And you know, and we're all going to be together. And even though like, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff for people that are struggling, you know, w- w- this is what uh, Sunranto's oh, – oh, I think we're losing Stuart. But this is what Sunranto's kind of always stood for. We've always – since John Baker Day started, we've always like had a kind of a uh, charity element to what we do, whether it be the death jerseys that we were, you know, kind of given out. Uh, we gave out five. You know, we gave flowers to Kaplan even. Like it's really grown. Yeah, we, had a, we had a rough end of that year, man. Rough end of the year. I mean, we had like five, six deaths all at once. Uh, we had, um, you know, I mentioned it before, but we had the uh, COVID death with our with our friend Mike. Uh, by the way, he sent me. He put this picture. That's him and his dad there uh, out at Wrigley, and we he just got his Ranter sixty nine jersey. That I came. love that dude. That was a great job. Did that was that Clark Street Sports did that or? Yeah, uh, that Clark Street. Uh, no, no, that one was done by uh, the Wrigleyville Sports. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, then I had a, a different one made up for our friend Paul, who just lost his mother. Oh. And uh, I wanted to mention that. We had this one made up for Paul. Nice. And also, I wanted to mention that uh, I got a nice card from our good friend Johnny Onomatopoeia today. It's got an owl on it, as you can Wa- see. Washington yeah. Nationals fan, which it seems appropriate today. Yeah, he, yeah. Got a, he got a Washington Nationals 69 jersey, but I got him the Irish version. Because he's Irish. But look at this. So it, here's the front of the card. Now, you see that stamp? What's on oh, that the Cardinal. It's a Cardinal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I look at the back of the, the card. Look what it says. The Cardinal nice. stamp is a troll. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Cardinal. And he did that on purpose to us. And then he wrote, you know, hey, thanks, Ranters, for honoring my dad by supporting a food bank. We gave $108 to Kaplan's organization. We gave it to the food bank. We gave it to uh, uh, the police uh, memorial fund or something like that. That was through Mike's dad, the, uh, an animal shelter and a mental health situation. That I think the, the, the point of all of it is that we are blessed to be in a Cubs community. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It's like Stuart does that. We do that. And then, you know, we're all joining forces. And then it seems important to take a moment during this offseason and take stock of what we have there. Family. You know, and that's what uh, that's what's really important to me, ultimately, because, frankly, the Cubs are going to fucking suck. So (laughs) do nice things for each other because the rest of it is terrible. (laughs) you said it, guys, and I, I've had some talks with Crawley. I mean, I've even had talks with you, Danny, about, you know, separately, 
you all, you all, everybody's great at what they do, right? But if we all work together and we form like a Cubs network, I mean, that's probably a talk for off stage, but I mean, you bring in, you bring in Brad, you bring in Joe from Obvious Shirts, and you start, you start a thing, you know? Like, and you know what? If we all come together, you know, Maybe we can make some money, guys. That wouldn't <laughs> Who wouldn't want to make some money? But it, it's it's like I said, it's but like you know, Stewart's, if Stewart's you guys everybody has their own talents and what you guys do, and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Thank God, like for you know, especially you, Danny. I mean, like all you guys put out have put out is content, man, throughout the pandemic. And you guys went the extra mile. To, to, to do what you guys do, you know, and uh, it's not easy. It's a lot of work. Trust me. It's a lot of work, you know, and uh, Cubs communities should be very thankful to have guys like you that, you know, who, who pretty much took you through nine months of hell, you know. I'm just, uh, and, and I told you, Stu, when I'm, when I'm done with this, I'm, I'm scheduled to get my vaccine next month. And when this is all over, the first place I'm going to go is Club 400. The next place I'm going to go is Wrigley Field. But it, it's, I just like... Boy, I just I miss so much of everything that was. You know what I mean? Like, I think that we were getting to that point where everybody, like I said, if Danny had an event, we were there. If Stu was having an event, we were there. Right. Anyone that was doing it, we we were there for each other, and it was just growing in momentum until this fucking and, pandemic hit. Michael Cotton, he finally he's living in Colorado this whole time. This yeah, is where for, that's where we six fucking years. I lived out there. Here he's out in Colorado. He's like, oh, I'm gonna move to Iowa. I'm finally gonna be close enough to go to all this stuff. This is gonna be great. I'm gonna meet all these players and go to ball games. And then, boom, pandemic. Oh, right in the middle of the move, too. I honestly, I'm not even worried about the players. But yeah, hanging out with you guys, uh, meeting more of the ranters, being able to just go to games and do stuff like that was so exciting. And then. It's just uh, I just been getting kicked in the nuts since I got yeah. here. <laughs> I, I, I propose you guys when we come back, when we can go to, you know, when we're back to normal. Who knows the how? Who the hell that's going to be? But I say we all throw the biggest bash at, in the help out Nisei Lounge and get those. Yeah, we'll throw a huge ass bash. At, I, I say we do it at Nisei only because they are the oldest bar in Chicago, and you know they're they're kind of like Chicago heart. You know, you know yeah. yeah. Nisei. I mean, come on, you know. I say do there just so I can continue to drink for free. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I know. I would say that we're we're like I keep telling Stu every time. I said, man, we're gonna rise like the phoenix. We're just we're gonna rise out of that, and and we're gonna be raging. The only thing that worries me is I just am worried about my tolerance. Like I got a feeling I'm gonna end up on Stu's couch, and Carol's gonna be nudging me to wake up and go home. <laughs> So uh, I, I think we should move on with the show at some point because it, it, we are 46 minutes into this. So I, 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 I got to get going because I got to put Laura in the bed. Too. That's what I'm saying. I, I do have to say this. Uh, to, so anyways, I mean, I don't know if I lost uh, signal or you guys, we all lost signal for a second. The show lost signal. But so, yeah, we had that. I had that talk with Ray. We did the podcast. It just came out. If Ray would have been perfect if Ray had better mic etiquette skills. But as you guys know, you can't control everything. You just control what you can control, you know. Uh and so sometimes he's in and out, but it's still it's still a worthy listen. Um, uh, and I, I invite all your listeners to check it out. You know, yeah. if, you're down, if you're feeling down and out, listen to a little Ray Ray Burris wisdom. And, and on that podcast, I announced uh, for the first time right now. I'm just going to be honest with you. I have uh, set up. Uh, I, I, I put out four dates. So one of them was very late August, and the other ones were in September. 
And if you guys, and you know, Danny, you've been here, and uh, Carl, you've been here a lot. Uh, most of the event takes place outside, you know. So I think by September we can pull off an event here safely. I think the vac- most people will be vaccinated that wants to be vaccinated. And furthermore, I, because it's outside, I think we can pull it off. But our first first event uh, for 2021 will be for mental health awareness. I can tell you that uh, we don't have a date set because I'm working with the players right now. I said players. Ray Burst will be in the house, and also our good friend John Vincent will be here. Uh, we'll have two current players uh, from the team this year. Uh, one of them might have been, like, maybe the best player on the team last year, but I'm not going to mention any names. Are you sure they'll still be on the team? That's the question. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, this will you be bringing in uh, a Yankee? This guy will be on the team, trust me. And, and again, let me just say something else. Sometimes you get so excited about, like, the big-name players, like, oh, it's, uh, you know, Kyle Schwarber. And Kyle Schwarber was great. But some of the most fun I've ever had at Club 400 is talking with Wayne Mesmer, talking with John Vincent, talking with Ray Burris or Bobby Denier, who might just, just – that's the thing about Club 400. You don't know who's going to stop by. No, you know what? We've had Randy Hunley stop by. You know what? We're going to have some – other, I know, we got, we got some. I'll tell you what, the future. It's the first get bash back. Yeah, it's gonna be full because the players love it too. Yeah, and we're gonna go for mental health awareness. We're gonna pick some charities. I mean, I think right now what we should concentrate right now is healing, and part of that is obviously mental health. We all need to heal, man. I mean, there's just so much that's going on in this world right now, and none of it's all that great. So uh, we need to get not only physically fit, but more mentally fit. I think that's the most important thing we can do. So, yeah, we're going to raise a ton of cash uh, for local, and maybe, like, we don't we have, don't have the causes picked out yet, but, like, I want them to be, like, social services type groups, you know. Uh, someone, like, my friend uh, shot himself in the head and killed himself last year. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons why he did that, he couldn't get help. I mean, he could not, he could not find anybody to help him. And that's and Stu, yeah, Stu, like, you know, easy to find. That helps yeah. you be very easy to find. One of the big things, though, Stu, and I think it's so great that you're addressing this, is with mental health, it's a stigma. There's people that are afraid to say, I have an issue. And and that kind of prevents them sometimes from talking people or getting help. And John Vincent's very open about his struggles with mental health. And, uh, you know, about, you know, John John's talked about it live on his uh, Facebook channel and stuff like that how he just, just didn't want to live anymore. And so a lot of times it's it's the fact that everybody thinks that nobody, like you're the only one that has it, but that's not true. There's a lot of people that have mental health issues. It's not like a broken arm and you're like, oh, you have a broken arm. I understand that. It's something going on up here, but it doesn't make it any less uh, difficult to deal with. It's actually probably worse. I mean, if you're not, if you're not mentally fit and you got major problems, man, I, I mean, it's amazing, you guys, like, you know, how many people I know right now are going through a lot of crazy stuff, you know? And a lot of it has to do with the lockdown, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, just, just it has to do, you know, but just the whole year, the last year has sucked. But you know what? I guarantee you this, and I'm going to, I'll leave the show, but I guarantee you we're going to throw a damn it, great ass, but we might even get Michael Cotton to come. I don't know. But <laughs> uh, fucking you never know. Panthers involved. Uh, we'll get uh, Crowley's Clubhouse involved, and we're going to come back together strong. Stuart, if I get the vaccine, I'll set up a kissing booth. 
<laughs> Michael, you maybe you missed the part where he said he's trying to raise money. <laughs> okay, and well, and also it might cause a few more mental problems. Yeah, anybody that, going away from that? Yeah, exactly. after, after nightmares, nightmares for life. After a few club four hundreds and a couple of Jaeger shots, I'll be first in line for Michael Cotton's kit. <laughs> Let the Cubs orgies begin. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get Michael out here for sure. Michael, uh, I'm gonna, you know, you're not, you know, legally obligated. <laughs> I'm like, where's our this first party? Yeah, I don't know. Our, our, our party for mental health. Can we get a? Can we get a Michael Cotton showing? I don't know. Can we? Yeah, I think we can. We're getting a Michael Cotton kissing booth. Dude, if I have to fucking get a car to drive you out here, I'll fucking do it. Yeah, I mean, wait, 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 wait. the the mental health thing's perfect for for my anxiety. So what if we have, no, what what if, thing, you guys like I you know what people used to say it, I know I got to go but people used to say like I got anxiety you know I'm like what the fuck is anxiety because I never had anxiety <laughs> until this year trust me I got anxiety all right I know yeah, what it is yeah. now now I know what people are talking about you know? maybe maybe yeah. we'll do, maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a short podcast live from Club Four Hundred. We should. We should. Yeah, sh- yeah, short podcast because that's what we do here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we like to drop those fifteen-minute podcasts. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, you guys are the best. Love y'all, and I'm uh, looking forward to hanging out soon, non-virtually. I don't yeah. like this virtual. Show. I know. I'm so done with this. That's why I want to do a live show. Like, let's get together in a room with microphones in our hands and a beer in the other one, and let's uh, we'll do the same thing. It'll just be in a room full of people we love exactly. and a few Cubs players. So. Um, yeah, Josh writes in the ranchers will cover cotton's transportation. Yes, yeah, uh, where hey, where were you last six years? I can fucking drive there now. Like now that it only costs twenty seven dollars for yeah, a full ticket. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, I promise gotta, you won't be able to drive back if you party with me. Bro. I just, <laughs> I just, and, and and to Stewart's point there, the last time I think we were at an event, Danny and I split a hotel room. So no, I that, got a free hotel room because the guy couldn't make it. Yeah, I know. Bo couldn't, Bo couldn't make it, and I and I and I was and I was in the we we were we were the last ones. We closed it out, and I accidentally shut down Stewart's power. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I couldn't <laughs> shut my power off that night. <laughs> and his internet, the whole thing. The you, you that that was thing. a blackout. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the cross. It was a big red button. I hit the big red button. Yeah. Everything shut off. I thought yeah, and I had good. no cable for three days, and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. I'm like, oh my god, I got no cable. Oh, come on, tomorrow something's wrong with the signal. Then I wait another day, and then I'm like, man, I got no. Ca- something must be wrong. So I go down there, and my whole rack is shut off. And then I'm like, what the hell? That was that was the night your friends came over, Danny. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Eric and I were playing bubble hockey till four in the morning. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful situation, and and I can't wait to get back out there, Stuart, and we'll see each other. Probably sooner than that. So yep. we'll have you back on the show next time you do something notable. And uh, no, no, just totally love you, man. And and thanks for coming on tonight. Love you, Stu. I love yeah, you. Thanks for coming more, on, Stu. One more thing before I go, and I, I'm I'm gonna hang up after this, but I'm amazed lately that uh, you know it doesn't. If you think someone might be hurting a little bit, reach out to them and uh, you know let them know you care for them and let them know you. I reached out to someone today and just because I'm like, you know what? So-and-so could need a call, I think. I should maybe call this person. And I did. And, you know, I caught – there's a person watching tonight, and, and it's not even that person. It was someone I called tonight. Uh, so I try to make random calls once in a while. And, you know what? Just let people know that you love them because you can't see them. And let them know you care. And that will go a long way, trust me. So if you can 
everybody do like an oh, act of kindness and it just could be a phone call. That'd be awesome. So uh, yeah. people need love right now, you know? Pay it forward. We used to say shit like that. Man, that, and, uh, you know, that's funny because, that, you know, I, I talked to him earlier today when he called me and that, oh, my God, it was me. No, I'm <laughs> You're uh, like, I was feeling really down. And then, yeah, it was really, then all of a sudden Stuart called. I got in a better mood. Um, no, that, that went on way longer than I thought it would. But I'm totally, well, what, what do I know? Like this Sunranto show, these things tend to happen. Um, but and I, I love talking to Stuart. And if you do... Yeah. We need a podcast to listen to besides the four hour show that Crawley and I put out for Cubs convention. That could, I, I listened to, I listened to part of that uh, the other day when I was doing some housework, you know, I popped it on. Is what? it listenable in the least? Uh, is it does it, does it transfer to podcast? Sure. No, it's perfect for a podcast. I, I don't have the link on, I don't get the podcast on my thing anymore. I don't have the link. But uh, no, so I was I had to have it on the the iPad on the Facebook Live. Oh, uh, okay. And so, so that didn't work out great for me. But no, I I listened to I listened to like an hour, and then I checked it, and I'm like, holy shit! There's still yeah, almost three hours left. No, we uh, the best thing about it is uh, you know at Bingo, people always make pyramids on their tables, see how big it is. And so I was just doing that that night by myself on Saturday. I'm just putting up this pyramid. <laughs> yeah. By the end, Danny's carrying the show. I'm falling over. Yeah, well, I mean that's why I was I was literally carrying the show with with you on my shoulders because it was like I was like. It, like yelling at you. I'm just like, will you please let other people talk, Crawley? Like, oh, just- not see. Now I got to get to the end of the show. <laughs> oh boy! I'll, I'll ask somebody a question. I was like, so Michael Cerami, what do you think about this? And Crawley's like, well, what I think is, I'm like, I didn't ask you. I asked Cerami. I was, I was, and then there was a lot of good stories in there that just like. Weird CubCon stories that just made me laugh, and 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 I think like I like I said last Saturday, I was emotional because you know mentally speaking, is that that's always my weekend, man. That is my weekend, and just to not be at CubsCon was so difficult. So that show was just so cathartic to me. And I'm I'm somewhat like Stuart in the way that I never really struggled with anxiety until certain things happen in my life. You know, right. and then all of a sudden now you have it, you know, and this was now it's been years that I've understood anxiety, uh, you know, at that level. I don't do anything about it except for, you know, drink myself silly. But, uh, you know, at but it's true that just because you don't feel that way right now, other people might feel terrible. And I think a lot of people last weekend really missed the Cubs and the Cubs convention and like that kind of marker of the new year and going out to see other Cubs fans and feeling part of that family. I'm glad we did something, even though it was kind of unplanned and last minute and people showed up that we didn't even expect to show up. Right. People that said no to me, like Michael Cerami, like Evan Altman. No, they, you know, their friends went on and they saw that people were enjoying it and like having a good time. Like my, I get a text in the middle of the show. Hey, can I still come on the show? (laughs) You can come on Michael, even though you said no earlier because you were quote unquote busy, like doing what? Watching the Mandalorian again. Like I don't care about Grogu. Well, you know how people, you know how people are though. They, they get invited to a podcast and they're like, no, I am busy at that time. Yeah. But then when they 
click on Facebook and it's two hours later and the fucking show is still rolling. They're like, well, maybe I should get on this thing. Yeah, and he's I got time now. Yeah. It, it was a blast. I, I had a lot of fun during it. And, and like I said, I, you know, a lot of good memories watching those old clips and thinking about Ernie Banks and Billy Williams and Fergie and Santo and, and just Cub Con's past. And then, like I said, silly, stupid stories that we all kind of experienced from going for so many of these damn things. And really, we should get used to reminiscing because that's all we have <laughs> at this point. <laughs> because oh, because every, all our favorite players are gone. All our favorite players are gone. You don't. John Lester, Kyle Schwarber, Chatwood, uh, and Caratini gone. I, I have it up here right now. I have a link for those of you that are listening on the podcast. It's a graphic. Darvish to San Diego. Quintana joining Madden with the Angels. Lester with Washington. Schwarber with Washington. Chatwood just got signed last night to Toronto. And Caratini was in that trade. And, yes, for those of you that were paying attention and asking earlier, I did have a little bit of a Washington Nationals curly cue on my Cubs hat. That's the 2017 NLDS hat. Oh, I thought that was Walgreens, the yeah, official, the nah, official nah, nah, drugstore nah. of the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, that's what I put. CVS, Walgreens type thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Walgreens. you're looking at this and, and you're just going, oh, my God. And the story of Lester, our friend David Kaplan, you know, instant really was on it. And Gordo had a, a scathing uh article about it but basically he said he said Ricketts should consider selling the Cubs oh and a million Cubs fans three grand a piece we can do it it's (laughs) basically two million dollars is what it would have cost to kept keep John Lasker for one more year I bet you Tom Ricketts has two books worth a million dollars each first edition that he could have just hawked somewhere and fucking kept the guy the guy most if you think about the the moment when the Cubs were all in and for real and I'm talking about not just for the fans but for for prospective free agents it was John Lester signing with the Cubs John Lester doesn't sign with the Cubs it doesn't happen in 2016. It was that trade. And so this guy, and this is what Cap reported, he wanted to retire a Cub. He came to the Cubs and says, you know, give me an offer, this and that. And they couldn't come up with $2 million. I did some, uh, I did some math on the napkin. So far they've shed this year $83 million. $83 million. They well, couldn't you know. You know why they don't want to do it, though, is because the buyout for John Lester was $10 million. Right. So you know that the fucking Ricketts are looking at that $10 million as we've already paid you. You need to come back to us for the minimum salary that we can give you because we've already given you $10 million. You know what I mean? They're not looking at it as this is a $5 million co- $5 million so, contract. It's a $15 million contract to them. You're already paying that, though. They, right. No. You've already paid it. It's, it's like that fucking douchebag that helped you move in college. You know what I mean? And he's still bumming beers off you 10 years later. 
It's it's. But again, it, it, when you think about the the aspect of you have already paid the guy ten million, you pay him an extra two, and you got a legit arm, a great clubhouse guy, somebody to work with the youngsters. I don't remember if you remember when Adbert Alzali got his first victory. John Lester sent him a beautiful, expensive bottle of champagne, autographed one of me, like just a guy that you want. Well, and that's something that, that's something that Ray Burris talked about on that Club 400 podcast. And he talked about the guys that taught him how to be in the major leagues and how to compose himself and, and who to talk to. And Jose Cardinal took him under uh, Ray Burris, under Jose's wing. He's like, it made all the difference in the world. He's like, I didn't know how to act from Oklahoma. Like, I don't know. I'm a family of sharecroppers. I didn't know how to be up here in front of all these people and act, you know, and he learned from the guys that are, or who had already been there. And I know that they take care of that on a PR level early with some of these guys, age 16, 17. They already got him in like, you know, Tom Ricketts finishing school, <laughs> as it were. But like, honestly, like the veteran leadership that you can get out of somebody like John Lester is invaluable. And, you know, and it is a shame that, yeah, they could not come up with a deferred contract that, I I mean, it's too good to pay him. They could have paid him a hundred thousand dollars for the next 50 years. Like that, the Mets contract for Bobby Bonilla Bonilla's contract, but way less. And I'm going to put up Lester's stats here. This is his stats with the Cubs, 2015 through 2020, 77 and 44, a 364 overall ERA. Okay, uh, a thousand, just over a thousand innings pitched, in which he struck out 940 and walked 292. An ERA plus of 115 and uh, and a and a FIP right where his ERA is pretty much. I'm just going to tell you though, I have That's been fighting. amazing signing. The last two years weren't great, but five ERA last year. But they weren't great, but they weren't bad either. What John Lester is right now is a number four or five pitcher. And he's a guy that you can pretty much count on to give you 200 innings. Like I told you before, you got two guys that have basically in the last four or five years pitched a full 162 game season. Two guys. And they're already talking. And this is not just the Cubs. Everyone's talking because they didn't play last year. Their arms are not built up the way they're supposed to be. And there's, I think I forget what team already announced they're going with a six man rotation. Might have been San Diego, but these are going. To, you're going to need bodies, and and after, like I said, how confident are you that Mills is going to be able to go 162? How confident are you with Alzali? I remember him getting injured his first time up in the, uh, you know, trying to start in the rotation. This is going to be an issue, Martin, and which you don't know what you're getting because we just saw that one inning with him. Last you don't year. one inning. Right, and that, that's the issue here. And so you got Chatwood, who I didn't honestly want back, and Quintana, who I was kind of just done with. But they're all gone, and you're going to ask yourself, who's going to pitch these goddamn innings? And the thing about Lester, like I said, is what not only what he brings to the field, but what he brings to the clubhouse and leadership. And this is something that Brittany Wood, uh, Travis's wife, put on uh, Twitter. I can't believe, put into words, how important John Lester is to a team. It goes beyond wins and losses. It's a leadership that can't be explained so apparently that wasn't worth fucking two million dollars yeah it's embarrassing i mean that's what kaplan said he's like he was like we should be embarrassed and ashamed as cub fans and frankly i am because crawley you said it earlier you said it to stewart they're not telegraphing why they're doing this they're just being like ah ah everybody's gone 
We're not, I, we're not all your favorite players are gone. <laughs> the only thing I disagree about is that we as Cub fans shouldn't be ashamed because we see what's happening and we're all calling bullshit. Like who's not calling bullshit on what they're doing right now? I'll tell you, there's a good number of people that are, that are saying this is the greatest fucking idea. And what pisses and me I off say is those people aren't real fans. They have no fucking clue what's going on. They've been watching the bears all, you know, right. they're like, Oh, everybody, long. they're like, everybody tears it down. I'm like, you are talking about a major market team with one of the big highest kind uh, Highest ticket prices where you where you are sitting here and you're going to act like a small market team. And what bothers me, what these people don't realize, is what Theo did right away in those rebuilding years. He built up the scouting department. He built up the player development department. Those things have been gutted. Yeah, cuts they, they, they fired all 100 people that he hired back then. Right. They have gutted that. So you're sitting here saying you're going to rebuild. Who's scouting these players that are supposedly going to be so good? And how much information do you have about them? Player development. We've talked about uh, that. Apparently, think, San Diego's scouting them because we're just going after their, their uh, and, draft and, and picks, I guess. Let me ask you this, and I think I think Stewart talked about it earlier. Would you, would you want to be on the Cubs right now if you're Anthony Rizzo? Be honest with you, man. I mean, here's what here's what Wilson Contreras put out the day that uh, that they found out about um, John Lester and how little he said how how little it would have cost to keep him. Wilson Contreras wrote, "Compete, compete, and compete." Does this look like a you know Wilson plays how he plays with his heart on his sleeve? This look like a team that's ready to fucking compete, and everyone's gonna say hey, it's the NL Central. Yeah, they suck. And so that's a reason you, you're you're light years away from the White Sox. You're light years away from San Diego. You're light years away from the Yankees. You aren't ready to fucking compete, and you're just giving up. And for a major market team, that's embarrassing. <laughs> well said. Yep. I mean, I'm just like, uh-huh, yep, absolutely. I, mean, I guess, yeah. The thing about uh, getting Lester back that I kind of agree with is that because he's is a number five, we already have like six of those guys. We have five number fives anyway. What we need is like a number one, which we had. But but if they can't afford if they can't afford Lester as a number five, then there's no fucking way in the world they're gonna afford a one or a two. Or a three or whatever. You're not getting anything. There's, not, there's a reason everybody there is there's a reason we've got Hendricks, which is a a one or a two. I mean, come on. He he can be a one. He's probably a two. And everybody else is fives. There's a reason for that. I, I would put Hendricks as a two, three, everybody else fives. Uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a really, really good team. Like when I think of what Lester did in 2016 and then having Arietta number two and then going to Lester three, like if Lester's your third, you're in really good shape. You could argue as a two, he could do it. He could be a two. But yeah, we have no one. We might have a two, and then to even say fives is giving a lot of guys credit that ha- don't have any really experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alzali, who knows? Yeah, I mean, Miller, who knows? Yeah, you know. But let, let's take a look at. Uh, here's one thing that pissed me off: the the whole Tyler Chatwood thing. Uh, you know, I I don't want to beat a dead horse here or speak ill of the dead. But I'm going to because Tyler Chatwood was one of the biggest mistake signings of the Theo era. That is like no wonder Papa Ricketts took the fucking checkbook away because look at what Theo did. Look at Tyler Chatwood's contracts here. He was making four and a half million dollars in 2017 for the Rockies. He gets a free agent contract where he 
Theo paid him triple. 12.5, 12.513. He did lead the league, though. But unfortunately, it was in walks. In 2018, at 95 walks and 103 innings, he was unplayable. I don't know what Theo saw in this guy, but what a mistake. And now he's only, what, making $3 million to come back for a year on the Jays. And, you know, honestly, for $3 million, that's not a bad deal for Tyler Chatwood. But that's what it always should have been. I do not – nobody even was clocking Tyler Chatwood. You know, as a pitcher, and then all of a sudden we're like, who are we getting? How much are they paying? We're like, whatever. It's Rick. It's money. At the well, time, now I'm like looking at It's all connecting up for me is what I'm saying. It's like. I, right. It's Well, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it, I remember in, uh, you know, when he signed that deal, he had not great numbers, but they were. Coors Field numbers. They yeah, were Colorado numbers. And so we, we all thought they would get better, but apparently uh, if he gets any traction with that spin rate, he can't control it at all. And he I, couldn't really control it that well in Colorado. So. At his numbers here, it was the exact same, if not worse. It really Well, that's what I'm saying. It was worse because I think the ball was moving more on him. And who knew they thought maybe he would be better out of the thin air, but apparently the thin air might have been it's, helping it's him overthinking out. Overthinking it—that's why nerds oh, yeah. are wrecking the Cubs. <laughs> That's why nerds are wrecking the fucking whole game. Theo what? comes down some weird freaking acid trip rabbit hole where he's like, "Well, the air is this much thinner in Colorado, so now a spin's gonna go this much more, and now Tyler Chatwood will be an ERA candidate." And well, I'm the most brilliant person in baseball, but he, you're not. You let me ask you a question. Fifty million dollars they paid. I'm just I'll scream and then I'll I'll be done screaming. But who who do you think was the best? Who had the best season last year for the 2020 Cubs, in your opinion? Pitching, pitching wise, no, not hitting wise. Position player. Well, I mean, I would say Jason Hayward. Hey, I think all around, I think all around just because everybody likes to just look at batting. He, he hit well, but he's also great in the field. He did not win the gold glove, but he was still really good in the field. He's just would, an all around good player. I would put a Hayward, but who else? I mean, well, really, you got okay. it. Yeah. Well, so when we talk about Ian Happ, the Cubs are going to arbitration. They are five and two all time in arbitration hearings in the 2000s. Over less than one million. Less than one million dollars. Over less than a million dollars are going to go there. The only other players that were, that the Cubs have gone to arbitration with since 2000 has been Ryan Terrio, who again outperformed what people think he should have did, and Justin Grimm, who you know, thought he was worth more than he was, and the Cubs were right in that. But to sit there and 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 go into this, for those of you that don't know, if you're arbitration eligible, the players in the ownership, the players in the front office exchange numbers, and you try to figure it out from there. Okay, what's going to happen is they are going to go to an arbitration hearing. Most agents will tell the player, "Do not go," because the front office's job is to tell you why Ian Happ isn't worth how much did we say a million less, less than, than a million, million dollars so yeah. 
So they're going to sit there and rip Ian Happ as to why he sucks and why they shouldn't have to pay him $800,000 more than what Ian Happ wants. Right. Think about to, that. To put that into perspective for billionaires, because people don't get how billions work and millions and all that shit. If you had a thousand, if you had a thousand dollars, Ian Happ is asking you for four dollars and ten cents, and you're saying no. I want to give you three dollars and twenty five cents, and Ian Happ is like, "But I can't buy two sodas for three twenty five. It costs four ten. And, and you're like, "I don't give a fuck, man. I got three dollars and twenty five cents." And I'm not giving you, and, and that's all I'm going. And, and Ian Hap's looking at you going, motherfucker, I know you got a grand in your pocket. Well, and then it's the ill will. You, you look at, uh, you know, n- none of the core have been locked up by the Chicago Cubs that we've wanted. Nobody signed a contract. Bryant, Riz, well, Riz already did the long one, but, but any, uh, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, uh, you know, none of them have been locked up with, with large contracts. And and here's the thing. This is uh, a tweet. Why would Hap want to do it? Why would Hap want to uh, do anything for the Cubs at this point and give them any kind of hometown discount? Being treated this way over eight hundred grand. So yeah. Cubby Blue 2016 tweeted this. He said, "You can't make this up." Within the minutes, the Cubs have lost John Lester. Tyler Chatwood, and now it looks like Jeremy Jeffers wants to leave. Apparently, Jeremy Jeffers name checks himself, looked it up, and says, I don't want to leave. I want to play. Now, again, like. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're going to you're gonna lowball every. You're going to lowball Lester. You're basically. I mean, there should be a statue eventually to Lester somewhere at Wrigley Felix. But instead. They're gonna they're gonna make him leave with a bad taste in his mouth. No flag, no less. He's not coming back to throw out the first pitch. Like he's gonna be pissed off for the next twenty years, and there's gonna be like a weird Sammy Sosa situation because Lester's gonna go to DC and be like, "Well, finally, I'm on a team that cares, and we're all gonna hate." I, like, well, I, he's gonna go to fucking DC, and they're gonna win. I mean, they've got a real shot at winning a title. He gets his third title in DC. That could be. John Lester I mean, is the John Lackey of that team right now. Yeah, right. 100%. And because you're actually trying. Except for less children deaths. And here's the thing. You got – think about this. You have John Lester over there. You have Kyle Schwarber over there. And you have Starlin Castro over there. Hence, when I have my – when I tilt my hat, I can have the W more in front here because they're like, uh, what, Wrigley? They're like the Cubs East. Yeah, all yeah. my exes live in DC. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, it's disheartening. And I and granted, I get the way arbitration works. All the salaries go up, and like, by the way, I really do feel like people got more money than I was expecting. Like when you look at Javi getting eleven point six KB, just five hundred grand short of twenty. Uh, Wilson over six and a half, and then Zotch Davies. Uh, our new uh, number two. That's our number two. I think. He's our. Fifth. He's got to be the number two. He's our number one, number five. He's our. Let's number take a look here. Though. This is from the article I was telling you about. Eight and Gordon. half. He got though. Eight and a half. Here, here's the article that I was telling you about about Gordon. Just something really quick. Kaplan mentioned to us before the season, before anything, uh, when he was on the show about the one billion in debt. Combined with between the franchise and their real estate company, Hickory Street Capital. Okay. 
And so right now, you're oh, this is <laughs> what did you say? You, you sounded like Biden at the inauguration. You're like Hickory Street Capital. <laughs> Hickory Street Capital. But you're now you now because of that money, because of that debt, they cannot. Uh, they can't deal with what's happening. It's, yes, pandemic lost a lot of teams' money. It hurt them. But because the Cubs are so stretched thin with debt, they cannot do anything. Nope. They are literally stuck here. And so this is what Goro said at the end here. You know, when you talk about big market teams, nobody has mandated payroll cuts as deep as the Cubs. No big market team is even close. They're still in cost-cutting mode even after dumping Schwarber $8 million. $59 million in salaries for the next three years to Darvish, another $1.3 million in Caratini, and cutting ties with more than $45 million worth of salaries and outgoing free agents, including Lester. Think about the numbers there, man. Think about how much they shed, and it's still not enough. Well, and if you also think they're a billion dollars in debt, that to us is a number that we don't understand. But to them, they have a few of those. That's just when they don't want to pay the bill. They don't want to pay their own bills, even though they could. I think, though, here and 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 uh, there's a YouTube video about Joe Ricketts talking about Tom wanting to buy the Cubs and coming up to him and talking about the Cubs. Joe Ricketts never wanted to buy the Cubs. It was it was obviously Tom, and and more than anything, Tom is the one that kept pushing the charge. Like it was, I think uh, Joe and Peter, like, fuck this, we're done. You know, no one cares what Todd thinks. And so they were, they were done, they were out. <laughs> you know, and then, and it was, it was Tom that really kind of sold it. Like, even when they're not doing good, this place is sold out. And Joe's like, okay, fine, let's do this. But Joe is, again, let's not forget what money really paid for this team. This money, Joe, Tom Ricketts could not afford the Cubs. Oh, Tom Ricketts, Tom Ricketts hasn't made much money in his life at all. Outside right. of just working for dad. So they made this, they bought the team and they've done, they, and I honestly feel that a lot of the investments were smart. The pandemic fucked them. You re-renovating Gallagher way. Those were smart things to do. Building the hotel, all this shit. The, the main issue though now is, is there what I think Danny, you mentioned this. They're asset rich, cash poor. They have a lot of things that are worth money, but to get that money, they would have to sell. And- I lost a shit ton of money in 2008 in the stock market. And so I learned about economics and how like, you know, interest rates work and how they, the Fed pumps liquidity into the market because I was like, why did I lose so much money? Let me figure it out. So I never do it again. But here's what it is. They're pumping money into the system. Cash has been cheap since then, pretty much. Let's keep the interest rates low. And so it's all debt. They're like, well, why would I need my actual money when I can just borrow against the shit my dad owns? And so that's what they did. And then the the Cubs become worth three billion dollars. Some in there. Well, I'll borrow against the Cubs because that's worth three billion. So if I sell it, then I'll have three billion. So I'm going to borrow a billion off the Cubs and I'll roll that over into something else. Well, it's all a big shell game. Well, guess what? You find out who is swimming. Without swimming trunks when the tide comes in. And guess who got caught out there not wearing trunks? The, the entire Ricketts family, especially Tom. And, just, just, and we saw that Todd had already thrown away his hot dog. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. No, no hot dog. 
for her, Todd. I feel like Tom Ricketts is sitting outside of the the bedroom door. Daddy, Daddy, I I want more money. I want more money, and, and you know, Papa Joe is just like, eh. And now they're you. now they're looking for more because they got the spac going on, and that is nothing but a vehicle to get liquidity. Hey, let's get more people in on this. Remember when they had people buying on the Cubs? Like, the Ricketts aren't the only ones that own the Cubs. Like, there are minorities. Oh, yeah. yeah. Betsy DeVos owns a nice big chunk of the Cubs, which is another wonderful. Yeah, we're basically wearing the hats of fascists right now. You know, so, like. This is from The Athletic. (laughs) Britt Garoli from The Athletic wrote, also had someone say, Current recent Cub players are readily available and relatively inexpensive. And to hell if that's not chapter one of their efficiency years biography. So, yeah, and I'm not here for efficiency. Like, oh, I'm a big fan of efficiency. If I do that, I'd go to a freaking German cut, you know, German country or a German city and watch the trains run on time. And so what you're taking a look at here is that, like, that's the way I, I look. I know I shouldn't. I shouldn't feel really bad for Jed Hoyer, but Jed's the one left with the bag here. It basically feels like fuck it. I'm out. I ain't dealing with this shit. Tom Ricketts is like sell, 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 and Jed's got to sit there and you know. Obviously, he's being paid handsomely for doing it, but literally, he wouldn't be making those deals if an owner was willing to to how, help invest in it. How shitty is it for Jed? Like he knew everything that was coming. And he's got to somehow put a good face on it, try to work some deals, and just, man, he's really gotten thrown into the deep end fast. Like, Theo had time. Theo had work. He had, you know, they're just like, it's not even the deep end of the pool. It's, it's, it's the deep end of a like a pile of monkey shit. But <laughs> I mean, they're they're not even letting him run this baseball team efficiently in with a normal payroll that other teams are even doing. Like he's honestly, he's had his legs cut off at this point. Like there, he is here to dismantle the team, and not even in a smart way. He's like, I don't care how you do it. Shed money. I can only afford. I don't know what the number he was getting. And, and the trouble is, everybody knows it. So you have zero. Leverage when you go into negotiations. <laughs> Tom, Tom Ricketts is the Cub fan that we've hated for all of these years that just talks trash about every fucking Cubs player and then wonders why we can't trade him for Mike Trout. Yeah, exactly. No, it, this it, is disheartening. Danny and I, Danny and I went to a rooftop opening day. Lakeview Baseball Club. And if you don't know the Lakeview Baseball Club, it has uh, the sign, AC, Ano Catuli, the year of the Cub, and then how many years since their last division, last pennant, last World Series. Take a look what they put up there today. Oy vey. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and it's true. I, and I know that they are they are one of the few rooftops that are not owned by the Chicago Cubs still to this day. So they can sit there and message whatever the hell they want up there and just piss off Tom because they've been in lawsuits with those guys for years. Right. You know. And so it's – like I said, the hard thing for me is this. And this is my own fault, I guess, but there's so much of my identity that's tied up with this team. 
So when, you know, it's just like people ask me, what's happening? Why are they so shitty? Why are they doing this? It's just, it, like you said, it's a disheartening fucking situation, like Lee Elia said. It's, it's, like, I was proud to be a Cubs fan 2015, 16, 17, 18, hell, even into 19. Like, I just felt like we were the best organization doing things the best way. Does it always work out? No. Winning World Series is hard. If anything, Cub fans should know that. But we were always on the free agent hunt. We were always kind of just doing things. And now it's like, it's, we're, it's like, Four years later, after a World Series, it's like a joke. Well, how about this? Four years later, the Cubs, they finally, uh, Bob Nightingale's tweet finally came true that the Cubs got Shelby Miller from the Braves. Well, it wasn't from the Braves. For Javi Baez. Did you did you see that was tweet was going around <laughs> again the other day? Because that was a done deal by Bob Nightingale, I guess, uh, what, 2015. That the Cubs had traded uh, Javi Baez for Shelby Miller, and then they finally did go out and get Shelby Miller. It did not cost Javi Baez, but how pissed would you be if you ended up with uh, this Shelby Miller? And let me put up his stats real quick because this is the Shelby Miller we're actually getting. <laughs> uh, so I mean, it's not all good news that we didn't trade Baez for this guy, but at least that's good news because his actual uh, situation is that he got hurt. Uh, af- after he signed a big contract with Arizona, and right. it didn't really work out for him there. He had one kind of good year in 2017, but it wasn't even that great. Uh, he had it at four ERA, but then since then it was like garbage. He's garbage. pitched 82 innings in the last four years. Four years, so it's just he get, he went basically. Atlanta didn't have him back. And Arizona took him. He got hurt. He never showed up. Like he was kind of like their Brandon Morrow that, that, you know, probably playing the towel game down in uh, the towel throwing game down in Arizona. And uh, you remember that uh, now he's on our team. Theo did not want to keep Javi. That was a Joe Madden decision. Joe Madden went down to watch him play in Puerto Rico uh, after Joe Madden got hired because the Cubs were shopping Javi extensively. Shelby Miller was one name attached to it. Uh, there was a lot of rumors of uh, Javi going to San Diego, because San Diego had a lot of pitching back. Still had a lot of pitching, but back then it looked like a good match to get some pitching for Javi, and, and it was Joe that really fought uh, to keep Javi on the team, and he wanted uh, you know Javi starting almost pretty much right away. So, you know, it was a good move that they didn't do that, but, uh, you know, it's – like I said, I'm looking at this season, and now we talked to Greg Huss the other day uh, on the um, convention show, and you know this is what we're, we're we we are now down to looking at young kids, looking at international free agents, hoping that something we find some diamonds in the rough. But this team, you're going to have to be honest with yourself; they're probably not. I know they're in the Central and anything can happen in the Central because the Central hasn't signed anybody. There is no free agent signings in the NL Central that you can think of. They've lost a lot of talent coming out of the NL Central. Um, so, the you know, Yadier Molina might not be at the Cardinals. Who knows? Yeah, you know, you're looking at the future, and you're looking at not the near future. You're looking at the distant, distant future. Like, you're looking at this. This is Christian Hernandez. I'm putting up a picture of him and – 
couple other Cubs uh, brass down in the Dominican uh, at the international free agent signing. And here is the whole group of the guys that the Cubs got. There's a whole list of dudes that you're, you know, I could tell you their names, but you're not even going to hear about them. If their, ever, their combined age is 53 years old. Yeah, and there's five of them. So <laughs> uh, the, the, the big names were Christian Hernandez, who they gave $3 million to, who everybody's calling Baby A-Rod. Which, you know, I, when Greg uh, Huss was on the show, he was like, God, why did they do that to people? That's so much pressure to put out a guy. But, you know, they're already making hype. <laughs> especially with such a dickhead like fucking A-Rod. Like, pick somebody nicer. Victor Trulet says, when do you think the Cubs are going to start spending again? And he was asked that question in when the Christian Darvish. Christian Hernandez comes. That's when you Darvish was. But they're probably, I mean, ideally. 23. Ideally, the Cubs would want it. You know, you would hope it was a quick Yankee retool type thing. But no, I don't see them. A lot of this is going to be dependent on when fans come in the field, and 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 they're they're counting on gate money and stuff like that. I don't know how many. Again, they're probably going to look at ten percent operating capacity for the beginning of the season at best. They're not going to do shit until way after the strike, and and that'll be right when uh the the new kid uh the new kids from the Darvish trade start making a little noise down in double a maybe this christian hernandez kid and by the way let me show you some baby uh a rod hitting that this guy does christian hernandez is a prospect of campo corto de 16 años de edad se proyecta como la reencarnación de alex rodríguez y manny machado los cubs de chicago han sido reportado como los favoritos para firmarlo see they said he's like manny machado and uh, Christian Hernandez is a prospect of campo corto, 16 years of age. proyecta como la Manny Machado and A Rod mixed into one person. So when he's ready, that's when they start spending money. They're not going to do shit, uh, according Wait, who asked that question, Victor? Well, I mean, we've had such good luck with just bringing guys through the, you know, the minor leagues up to now that. That could be 2030 <laughs> because it may not even be him. Well, it's it'll be one of them because they're shortstop. They got shortstops. They got catchers. They're high on a lot of these guys. But none of them, you don't know what they're going to be until they get to that higher level. And then they start rattling around. Oh, this guy, like Wilson Contreras, this guy's got a bunch of home runs. He's knocking the cover off the ball. He can run fast. He's a he's a great catcher. He'll come back up. And you're Wilson got Contreras was not even a catcher. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. Is they they have these guys. We'll see how they shake out. But like, here's what I wanted to point out though about Christian Hernandez. And I was watching this that hype video that I just played a little bit of, and then I I saw something. Well, they showed him fielding, and I had to slow it way down uh, to see what I thought I saw, and I did see it. Let's see if you see it. Everybody, this is going to be boring for the podcast people, so I apologize. But I, I will, uh, I will try to do a play-by-play. Crawley, check, Crawley, check this out. Here's a slow motion, Christian Hernandez at shortstop. I want to see if you see what I see. So he's moving to his right. Went through the legs. Yeah, lifted with the left hand. Glove through the legs to the right hand and through to first. Yeah, he th- he threw the ball. He he caught the ball through his legs. Correct, like he let the ball. He fielded it 
And no, he, he fielded it properly, but then flipped it through his legs. Yeah, between his, his other hand. Yeah. Between his legs to his throwing hand, at which point he threw to first base. So, like, I already love this guy. I'm, I'm all for that. Is when the Cubs will start spending money again because Christian Hernandez, we cheap except for the three million that he has now that they just gave him. So that was the most of their slot money for that. And they also got this guy named uh, Moises Ballesteros. What? Come on. You're taking the Spanish. Ballesteros. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ba- yeah ba- <laughs> Moises Ballesteros. Moises Ballesteros. Come on, man. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I said it totally wrong. But uh, Moises Ballesteros. And what I'm thinking- ba- Ballesteros, uh, that should be like the dancing. He, he's a dancer. Very dancy, Ballesteros. And then, yeah, Ballesteros. Uh, do you remember the last time we had a guy named Moises? Didn't go that well. Uh, I mean, about? it I went really that. well up until uh, somebody reached out over the wall, which, by the way, we saw 8 million Bernie Sanders memes today. If only Bartman had been Bernie Sanders and yeah. had Bernie Sanders sitting there in Barman's seat. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I, and I honestly, I actually kind of was just on a, a Cubs YouTube rabbit hole and I found an interview recently of Moises L. Louis. Like, fuck, I thought when the Cubs wanted all, people would stop asking me about that play and they still keep asking me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's his fault, though, for freaking out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't worry about that as much as, 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 I was there that night, um, and so it, it 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 played out differently. Like when we look back on TV and stuff like that, I was there, um, and and you know a lot of us really kind of was pissed. It was. I think it was, he wanted the the fan interference. He wanted me a fan interference call. He was irritated, but there's a couple different situations. I want to say prior started game two, and the Cubs kicked the Marlins' ass, and Dusty left him in for like 140. Pitches. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I'm dead serious about that. The other no, thing that always, no. the other thing that blew my mind about that play is okay. It happened. It's done. Moises was pissed. You know, I think I want to say Dusty wanted even an explanation from the umpires. But the thing is, is after uh, Gonzalez boots the double play ball, everybody's uh, the, from from my standpoint. I'm looking at the Cubs dugout. Like, come out, Dusty. Get everybody in. Give them a talk. You might want to get somebody up in the bullpen just in case anything and it was just like basically Dusty was like chewing on a toothpick he must have really been digging in because he wasn't everybody's like okay somebody Rothschild somebody come out do something and before you you, before you knew it it was just eight runs like that oh yeah Uh, I remember I'm watching it on TV uh, and I have a bunch of people over you know there's probably 12 of us and I'm not shitting you when Moises came down and put his hands out and kind of like slapped the glove and was cussing it. The room I was in dropped. We all went like, what the fuck just happened? And, and if we could feel it hundreds of miles away, how the fuck did Dusty not realize something was going on? And just like, Hey, it was it was the the Jason Hayward speech that needed to be done, right? Settle down. We got this. You're the best team in the league. Just go out there and play your fucking game. Only nobody did it for that team. 
I remember – here's what I remember clearly. We're in the eighth inning, and everybody was chanting right away, six more outs, six more outs. They get that first out. <laughs> we, don't, then, we don't do that anymore. Right. They get the first out, and then they started chanting five more outs, five more outs. Castillo hits the ball, and everyone's like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal in the stadium. Like I said, Lewis Pitt, blah, blah, blah. Back then, we all were going back into the five more outs chant. It wasn't then. The whole Bartman thing became a bigger deal because of two things. Number one, the the streets, they, they, they did not let people hang out on the streets during the World Series around the ballpark, like once the game started. The streets in 2003 on Waveland and Sheffield were absolutely packed. Like, you couldn't move. And so what ends up happening is that as that inning is getting worse and worse, the, everyone from the outside that kind of knows a little bit more and, like, hearing kind of what's going on in the radio and shit, everyone on the outside is chanting, asshole. And you can hear it coming from, from Waveland. That's where I heard it from. That's where I was closest to. The other thing is they yeah, used that's to where have – I was standing. They used to – at Wrigley, they used no. to have <laughs> – And he's like, I was, I was chanting. Yeah, I was chanting. No, I was kidding. I was on an airplane, uh, like, somewhere over Pennsylvania. The other thing is, is that they used to have these big box TVs all over uh, Wrigley, like in the in between the four and five hundred section, and so everybody's turning around and they keep replaying the Bartman play. Like I said, if they didn't do that, we probably at the stadium wouldn't have made as big oh, a deal. One hundred percent agree. The media blew that up. Then they fucking sent a goddamn helicopter to his house. They let everybody know his name. They gave his address. I mean, this is the kind of shit that in 2021 can get you arrested for doing that to somebody. So I go outside of the stadium. They're lost. We're shocked. Everybody's like shell shocked. Like this was so for sure a fucking World Series. And somebody had printed like from a printer. Like, I don't know, like, this is just when digital cameras were getting started. Like, printed a picture of what Bartman looked like. And there were, there's like, like, like traveling, like, like mercenaries searching for this guy, looking for him. I mean, he's long gone by like that. And he's like, he, the cops. Well, yeah, they had to fucking escort his ass out. Yeah. That's sad. I mean, maybe we deserve what's happening to us now for that moment. Like, we got our World Series. Uh, and it's, you know, it cost us a, uh, four years of hell. A pandemic. I mean, honestly, you remember that old joke when everything was going to go to hell when the Cubs finally won the World Series? It truly did. Things got real bad for a lot of people. So, but we're gonna we're gonna rise like the phoenix, like Crawley says. And and I I do have some yeah, good burner account, Crawley. I, I I got some good news. <laughs> I got some good news, and I got some bad news. And I'm gonna get through the news. Okay, let's get the news. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some news. All right. First of all. Doug Glanville, he's got a new show, and it's called uh, Classes in Session with Doug Are they going to be doing a lot of those, or was that just the, a one-off? Of the and next? he said they're doing about one a month. You're going to see how it goes. And I was like, boo! And he's like, I know. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, we want more. Uh, but anyway, he was on there with uh, Speak of the Devil, Dusty Baker, uh, and they were talking about race and baseball. They had a whole show about managers. And this is just one of the graphics that they put up about manager managerial hiring. Um, I uh, tweeted out uh, something that Doug had said about managers. I'm going to play it at the end of this show. So stick around. It's it's from John Baker Day this year uh, where Doug was talking about this very thing about minority hiring. Kind of they have the Rooney rule in football. 
you know, for that you have to uh, at least interview so many minority candidates. And we talked about it at John Baker Day this year. He repeated some of what he talked about on John Baker Day during this classes in session show with Dusty Baker. And they also had Herm Edwards on, who's a football coach. They talked all about this. They talk about the disparity in hiring and, uh, you know, kind of how guys get their jobs. David Ross, no managerial experience, backup catcher, special assistant, manager. Uh, Doug Glanville's kind of looking at that being is like, oh, they're just grooming these guys for forever. And a guy like me is never going to get a shot. So, you know, a lot of people are feeling this way. Anyway, it was an interesting conversation. And Herm talked about how it was kind of a the same in football, basically. Um, but we did. So check it out. I know if you have the marquee network that you could still watch it on your any of the apps and stuff. Yeah. Whatever Doug Glanville is doing, watch that. Yeah, exactly. And hearing him and Dusty talk very frankly about it on camera was you know, I, I, I'm was impressed. Like I don't say good things about the marquee network on this show ever, but I will say that for them to give Doug a show and realize after a year and showing fishing shows that maybe, uh, it's a good idea to use the talent you're already paying to produce shows about things that maybe fans like me might be interested in because I don't watch any shows except for Doug's show. We all grew up around the same time. And if you remember, like when cable started and ESPN launched and MTV launched and CNN launched, they all were shit their first year. So I'm still not giving up on the idea of marquee being something that Cub fans can truly enjoy. I really think that there is, you know, and this Doug Glanville show, I watched it, definitely is a start, a step in the right direction. Okay. The difference is that ESPN had like bull riding. They didn't have any <laughs> real sports. <laughs> right. But what, what I'm saying is, is that like, if you watched like the beginning of those network launches are hard. Network launches during a pandemic is hard. And again, I think they made a, a crucial mistake in allowing Sinclair and guys like New York try to dictate what a Cubs channel should be. Not really understanding what Cub fans want. Not really, uh, you know, just, just kind of trying to make it something more regional national you know what i mean like what what they they don't grasp the pulse of the cubs fan and that's where i think like right now we're like every cub fan knew from his comcast days that doug glanville is one of the most intelligent introspective guys like you said michael if he's on you want to watch so why did it take like danny said a year about roughly a little less than a year to get doug glanville to have a show like you should have been that, that guy should have been like a focal point there's only so much time between the Ernie Banks documentary and the uh, Ryan Dempster late night show. Yeah, and the floating commercial they got coming on late. Yeah, <laughs> very important. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's and that's part of their perfect storm. You know, they invested money in the marquee network only to have the pandemic hit. Only sixty games, the whole thing goes bust. They, you know. They would have worked out a lot of kinks last year that instead ended up being a year of kinks, you know, so they're behind on all that stuff, you know, and so Ricketts, I, the Cubs are in a uniquely bad situation that whether you want to blame Ricketts for mismanaging his dad's money and fucking us over now, you could do that. It's not helpful. But I'm going to do it anyway. We will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it constantly. But it, it's just also the truth. 
It's also like what is actually happening to us. So you could be mad about it or you could just enjoy yourself. You know, it's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, like, like you again, see what they'll do with the kids. I mean, you want to see what you have in the farm system? Well, you're gonna, because that is who is going to be on the team this year. And because the farm system is going to be so much more exciting than the major league team. My, and again, my problem is, is this, this idea of acting like a middle to small market team, but charging the fans premium prices. Well, that's yeah, my problem. He, he needs the money to pay off the dude that's going to break his legs. The hotel guy, the contractors, he's got a lot of bills to pay and he needs that money from you. That was planned on money that he had pre-planned on your Crawley money. Yeah, my, hey man, he's got it right now. I'm supposed to get five percent interest. You know, that'd great. be a, yeah, that would, would actually be a great that'd yeah. be a great show, Danny. Uh, showing like the billionaire, you know, gets in trouble with like all the unions and the fucking all the mob guys that are in charge of the construction. And well, if you get rich enough, the government just bails you out. So that because Crawley can't, you know, you can't get blood from a Crawley. No. So uh, I've given all I got to give, man. Exactly. We know. I'm done. <laughs> but it's like you know, it's but it's true. Like he's been robbing from Peter to pay Paul, you know, and it's been like this for a while. It's a giant shell game, and you're in it. Unfortunately, you are the nut under the shell, <laughs> and that is the problem. Is that you know you're not even in the game. You're in the game, but you're just like this dude getting like. You know, throw it around as the little ball, the little nut under the shell. So and here, here's the thing that bothers me: like, I'm not, I'm not. What we talked with Michael Ceremi about his famous monkey with the banana analogy. Excuse me, man. I have, oh. Drop the banana. Drop the banana. I have no problem if you would have told me, hey, we're not going to get Kyle Schwarber, but we're going to get back DJ Lemayhew. Okay, I'm cool with that. We're not going to keep, you know, we're we're going to get rid of John Lester, but we're going to sign you know, Blake's now, whoever, or trade, or just do, do something to keep a competitive team. And that's the thing is that people are acting like the only way this works is by getting rid of everybody and starting all over again. And I don't believe that. Yeah. I don't believe, I don't believe, I think that they were missing contact hitters, a, a guy that uh, um, DJ LeMahieu would have absolutely fit that role in, or there's other players that, that they could have gotten. They they can't get anybody. That's the problem. Is that I've you know again they say never read the comments. I do sometimes, but it's it's you know like you know it's it, to me it's just a matter of you see what's happening. This is this is this is not a secret, and you can sit there and bitch about me or Danny or Michael and question us. But you know this is Buster Olney. This is this is John Heyman. This is people way more in the know than we are. Whether Gordon or Cap or whoever, we're not the ones that are just pulling shit out of our asses. This is well known around baseball. Well, speak for yourself. I'm yeah, I'm fully <laughs> fully pulling everything out of my ass. I just happen to have a very smart ass. Ray Vicario writes in Rocket Nose Cubs finances. Amazing. Thank you, thank you, Ray. Are you the accountant for the team? And the tr- the truth is, I am the accountant for the team, and this is That's just- why they're doing so badly. <laughs> yeah, this is why. Yeah, they hired someone yeah, who they hired me, unqualified to run their fucking finances, and that's on them. But you can blame them for that, and that's fine. That's that's good. But no, honestly, this is the, this is the actual situation, though. They they borrowed cheaply. They overbuilt. A pandemic hit. They lost all their money. They needed to pay it back right away. 
and they couldn't. And so they had to get money from somewhere. So they took it from Crawley and they said, I'm going to promise you 5%. And meanwhile, so they got the 5% on your tickets and then they made the tickets worth about 75% or no, 25% of what they once were. And again, your $100 ticket is now worth $25 or you can't even get rid of it because the team is ass. If you, again, if you're going to sit at the big boy table and be a sports owner, you're going to have to take losses sometimes, like actual real losses. And and I grasp that. But here's the thing. They take a one-year hit or even a two-year hit. If they come back and are a competitive team, you know what Wrigley looks like when the Cubs are good. Yeah. But they thought, but remember how they sold it to Papa Joe. They said, the Cubs fans will come even if they're bad. That's how he sold it to him. And that changed. Under and the Papa record came out and he's like, you said they'd come. I don't care if there's a fucking pandemic. I mean, I'll come. But th- th- what he didn't tell him is that we're going to sneak in our own booze. You're not even have enough. You're not going to have enough money to hire security. So it's like I'm not getting frisked anymore. None of your metal detectors work. So now I'm getting stabbed at the troughs. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it gets bad. Like, you, they don't know how bad the city can be. I still got the uh, suntan lotion that acts as a flask. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, come on, Omaha, stay in, stay in your lane. You know, they don't know what they're doing here in Chicago. They thought they had us played like a bunch of rubes that they know how to play, but they can't play that game here. The pandemic changed everything, and they were not prepared for it. And that's and and it hit us all financially. It hit hit them specifically because of the debt. Right. It hit them because of the debt and what they invested in. And again, I'll say it again and again. I think what they did was smart to buy up the rooftops. I think what they did was smart to build Gallagher Way. I think what they, the hotel, I think all of that was a smart business move. If I had that money, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Well, they kept rolling it over and they kept rolling over the debt and rolling it over and they never paid it off. They just rolled it into more crap. And, you know, eventually somebody's going to, somebody's going to want their money, you know, and that's how it comes. And when your revenue stream goes away, you know, then what do you got? So uh, last thing I kind of want to talk about is uh, the, uh, the Jared Porter story, because we didn't even get into it, but fuck that guy. And thank God the Cubs did not get him and hired Jed from within because I know that Jared Porter was out there as somebody that might get the GM position. I mean, I know Jed's like, that's a different job, but like, thank God that they didn't hire anybody like Jared Porter who sent, according to Jeff Passan and a lot of other people, he sent explicit photos, including a naked picture of his penis. To a foreign female reporter in 2016 after she had ignored dozens, which we found out was over 60, of other messages from him for weeks, ignored him. And he was just like, no, like, I'm going to keep texting her. Um, And then details in the story. Um, But he did this while he was with the Cubs. And that's, you know, embarrassing. Another thing embarrassing are our team and our fan base and what we've been given a lot of time and effort to. And, uh, you know, and apparently that woman does not work in baseball anymore. That right. this incident was enough to 
cause her to quit and do something else. She that- is. She was an international reporter. I don't know exactly where from. And the worst part of this whole story, I mean, obviously there's the Cub connection that this happened in 2016, that there were other people in the front office that knew. But this is, and I don't mean to make light of this, but this is such a Mets thing. You know, we think we have it bad sometimes. This is what the fucking Mets do. The Mets end up having a conference and they... Oh, yeah, they they, they, they they said where she's from. Where they, they said which country she was from when ESPN, pur- or I think it was ESPN that broke it, pur- purposely left it out of the story because there was such a small amount of people covering from that country. And the, and the woman who was the one that accused said, you know, uh, you know, in our country, there's a stigma when something like that happens to like a woman reporter. And so the Mets end up outing her, whatever country she was from, just a disaster. Well, the whole thing well a disaster. I wonder if that's on purpose, like uh, retaliation, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think so. I think the Mets sometimes can just be dumbasses. They haven't gotten the dumbassery out, even though they got Steve Cohen on in the well, team. And, but, you know, for this to be going on, on in 2016, like this is the year of – you know, trading your your future for a, a, a known criminal and a, a role as Chapman, which I think we all agree, Cubs don't win the World Series without him. But still, that's that's an embarrassment. It's a stain on the situation. It's where you've got, you know, that's when things were going down with Addison Russell. You know, already at that moment, you know, the Cubs ended up ignoring that, and then when it when the truth came to light, they finally went too far the other way as a pendulum swings and all of a sudden like Theo's the, you know, the number one, you know, expert on how to heal domestic violence. You know, it's just like, you know, this is thing after thing. And granted it are big market stories are going to break, you know, you get your scandals, but you know, I don't think any of us believes that people didn't know about this in the Cubs organization when it actually happened. I don't, I think they all knew and they tried to hush it up and like a bunch of, pricks and that you know we should hold them to a higher standard and that i hope there's an investigation which unfortunately will be done by the people who should be investigated the cubs investigating themselves as to what happened and you know it was like oh really what'd you find oh <laughs> really nothing yeah. oh yeah or they'll make you know sorry, sorry that was a nice way to incident nothing else happened that year but never, but like, you know, honestly, like this 60 plus incidents, then you got like, you're passing sitting on this story for, I don't know how long, whereas a lot of people knew about this. Like this woman quit her job. Like she was obviously telling people and nobody was listening and didn't get out there. Like the story never hit, like for whatever reason, I don't know why, but like there's four years later. This comes out, you know, it's, this is not a hit job at this point off a GM that nobody cares about. This is, you know, you know what? There's there's fire to this smoke, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a, it's it's again, you know, you're going to do your investigation, and, and everyone's going to pretend they didn't know, but they did. I mean, we know we know how this all plays out. It's just we're going to do our due diligence. We knew about this, and now everybody's going to go to sexual harassment training. We're going to mandate it, and, and none of that shit. But it's none yeah. of it's going to be authentic or sincere. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, all right. So that let's. Uh, I got a little bit more bad news, but it could be good news. All right, I got more bad news. Uh, and then I'll give you a good news. Here's some bad news. My Thai guy steals baseballs from children. Brick that we all pitched in and bought has been denied. I got a phone call 
from where the hell was it from? South Dakota. You okay. answer calls from South Dakota? No, I didn't, but they left a message. So I was like, oh, you get fucking COVID yeah. answering that call. Uh, Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. Uh, exact same thing I just said, only put Boise in for South Dakota. <laughs> well, that's where the call was from. And they said, sorry. And the woman was sweet as pie. That, you know, because apparently all the bricks that get dogged, you know, Cup fans are just, well, why can't I just put that? Well, that's what we call him. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, so, you did, did, did you ask her what was the problem or? Well, I knew what the problem was. Is What's there on anything about, you know, my Thai guy stealing baseball <laughs> from children on a brick on their property? I knew what the, the problem was obvious. I thought I could sneak it through. I couldn't. I get it. I'm not going to play dumb. I'm just going to be nice to the lady because it's her job to tell me that there's nothing she can do, but the brick ain't happening. And oh. I'm not. And you know that lady's that lady's fucking reading that brick, and she's looking at that thing, and she's what? like, "What the fuck is going? I do not know what's happening. Why are people riding on bricks in the first place? Yeah. I don't know what this means." And Who the hell's my tie guy? Well, my tie guy sounds like the worst Marvel villain ever. I'll tell you the story because she did wonder, and everybody in the office wondered. And you know what they did? She said they looked it up and they watched the play. Oh, and they, nice! And they and I, I I won't give her name on the on the show, but you know she told me her name and she's like, when you call back, because I just said I'm gonna have to call you back because I got to run this by everyone. <laughs> and I told her the story. I'm like, my ties our friend. He did steal the ball, but we make fun of it. It's a great thing. But the Cubs are humorless, completely humorless. You know. They, uh, whatever. They're, do we have do we have a do we have a consensus like Mike no. Mike gives balls to children or that's the one? Oh, I like now you're you're accusing him of pedophilia. <laughs> my Thai guy gives baseballs to children. Yeah, which is just like kind of a a smack in the face of them. You know. You know. Oh, right, like bad things. Well, how about really good things? Like, right, I give baseballs to children. Like, and then they look like the assholes for making us do that. And either way, we got the brick, and we're like, hey, look at our brick. That like it was like a big fuck you to the Cubs, but it's like a silent fuck you. I don't know. Either way, excuse they gave- me, Mr. Ricketts, Mr. Ricketts, we have somebody that wants to buy a brick for two hundred dollars, but it's about my Thai guy. Yeah, nah, I don't uh, that bad. Uh, yeah. How bad are we in debt? Uh, okay, how about we change it to my Thai guy gives the children. Yeah, yeah. We we could we, we'll work something in there. So, as oh, I could said, it be something like my Thai guy likes Schwarber's balls? <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. They're they're gonna catch that. They're gonna catch that. And I I don't even know that's the messaging I want. I think we had it perfect the first time. So we have to think of something equally cheeky on the way back. Maybe we haven't thought of it yet. But if you have any idea that we'll honestly get through, you know, it, it, then uh, you just want to memorialize my Thai guy. That's yeah. what it's all about. Well, no, we had it right the first time. We wanted to do what we wanted to do, and the Cubs once again failed us. So, can you do point, my Thai guy and then the date? R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> like he died that day. <laughs> the day the, the, yeah, the, the the day his DMs got killed. Um, well, anyway, my Thai guy gamers are fair gamers. Yeah, see, we had it right uh, there. It's hard. Yeah, we, so write in, write in Sunranto Ranchers on Facebook at Sunranto at 
on Twitter and let me know what you think. Um, anyway, that's, that was disappointing. Uh, we'll, we'll think of it. I'll call back uh, the woman and I'll let her know by the end of the week. So, you know, Friday. So far, I think Gives Baseball's two children is the best because it's just like, you know, <laughs> your ass, you know, oh, nothing negative. Huh? Well, how about ultra positive? Now, a little more ultra positive. Fergie with his first COVID-19 vaccine shot. And I don't know if you watched the video of it, but the dude did not flinch when they jabbed him. It's fucking Fergie. Look at those tats, dude. I mean, he's, he's ready to go. And I love what he tweeted out. He said, today without hesitation. I received the COVID-19 vaccine. Entire process was quick and painless, kind of like a one, two, three inning with me on the mound. Uh, <laughs> and then he flexed hey. hard. So that was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, glad. I mean, not only does that man deserve a statue outside of Wrigley, but they should give him his second vaccine shot early because, like, come on, national treasure. Um, now, here's some bad news. The Ricketts going to make a they, – they don't have money for a team, but they do have – Joe Ricketts has money for – Oh, God, I saw this. Service called Straight Arrow News that he said will do what other out- outlets aren't doing, which is providing news without a political stance. Dude, I'm still, yeah, we all know it. No political stance. We know what that means. I'm just still pissed that on the day I gave a ring to Miguel Montero, I asked Danny Rocky to be my own personal photographer. And Danny takes one picture of Papa Joe and his camera blows up. Yeah, it was insane. I, it, <laughs> it was the end of that camera, in fact, in general. Like, I, the, that camera, that was like the last picture it took. So I, so I go to the ring ceremony. Crawley, I'm like, I'm going to get some good seats. I'm going to be right there in Terrace Reserve, right where the net you know, but I'm going to be over to the side a little bit so the net won't be in my way so I can get good pictures of Crawley and Miguel, the whole ring ceremony situation. Joe Ricketts was right before Crawley went out there. And so I t- take pictures of Joe Ricketts coming out to get his ring. It's the last picture my camera took. That was it. <laughs> Joe Ricketts and his deadly spirit broke my camera. You so, tried to steal his soul with your camera, and your, your camera got fucked. Yeah, that was not a winning battle. That was something. Well, um, it, but that did piss me off, though. <laughs> it's, Joe Ricketts had a news site before, he or a new a newspaper, and when was, they tried, uh, in Chicago, yeah, and when they tried to u- unionize, he uh, just got rid of the paper, like all the he just fired everybody. Cubs so, then used to be in it. What was the name of it? I forget, but like, uh, but either yeah. way. This freaking guy, like, you know, he's now he's going to have his own QAnon situation. The Chicago Reader. Yeah. Well, no, the Reader's still around. What was it? It was something else. Uh, it was like a neighborhood paper that did like the different neighborhoods, like Streetwise or Streetwise is the homeless newspaper, but the but Street by Street or something like that. Block Club or was it? Or yeah, was yeah, it? Block Club. Or, no, no, not that's something else too. But either way, fuck, <laughs> fuck Rick, it's. He he has his own news network and not a baseball team. But it uh should we do TFCs? Are we there? We are. Sure. We're there. Yeah, we're there. Yeah. So uh I'll start because I'm already talking. <laughs> and uh this I will start it out with a mar- marquee with a tough week. In fact, all mine are about marquee tweets for whatever. Just really just really quick, it's DNA info. Yeah, DNA. 
Absolutely. So Marking Sports Network, they've had a tough week on the on the Twitter. Uh, they tweeted out about Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the lineup on Marquee, and that's when Class in, is in Session uh, was played with Doug Glanville. And uh, they tweeted out about that, and um, then I see the first replies, this guy, Bill Cote. He goes, political correctness requires the continual beating of the MLK drum. He wasn't what he appeared to be. And I was like, ooh, read on. He created a different type of slavery, black dependence on government to solve its problems. Republicans win black freedom to actually become independent, uh, which is how he spelled it, equal citizens. And I was like, oh, who is this fucking guy? What a fucking prick. I'm about to say something to him. And I'm like, hold on, Rocket. This guy probably is a total loser. You're replying to a bot, and you're an idiot for even spending time. So then I looked at his thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, look, he's got 20 followers. He joined in July 2020. His entire bio says devoted to Jesus through Mary, which is just creepy. He's got a picture of Jesus and Mary in his timeline. And then he writes, this is four days ago, and it's kind of his last tweet before uh, was to the Penguins. And he goes, I just colored that pick in for you guys for the start of the season. I liked when you had ice blue for your main color. I'm like, oh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Notice the penguin on the far left. And I was like, the fuck is this guy, Bill Cote, who's devoted through Jesus through Mary, who doesn't like Martin Luther King of all heroes. What the hell is he doing? And apparently he colors in pictures. He colors in pictures of penguins. And <laughs> I clicked on the stupid link, and there's a picture of a penguin next to an iceberg. And that is the longest-winded, horrible – this is what the marquee network guy has to go through, or woman. It's just – can you – Cody on tap. (laughs) Cody on tap says, I knew Q wasn't coming back. Doesn't hurt as much as the rest. Overall, he was pretty good for the Cubs. The worst thing he did was wash dishes, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right. he, he was not a good dishwasher uh all right so i got one here um apparently not every member of the rickets is sloughing off you know not doing anything one of the rickets is trying to raise some money to get some players lucy rickets <laughs> a few more wins on jeopardy and the Cubs might be able to keep a few players. So thank you, Lucy Ricketts, for uh, winning on Jeopardy and yeah. kicking ass. <laughs> Doing your part. She has $64,499. So. They did. $140,000 short of John Lester? <laughs> right. Lucy's going to have to pick up her game a little bit here. Uh, so this one involves you, Crawley. Uh I kind of made it made a joke the other day uh, because, uh, you know, Dom Dom Frederick, he's always like, it's just different here, you know, on on Twitter. And uh, Marquee Network had uh, had tweeted out that the blue jerseys and had the pictures of the Cubs in their uh, blue tops. They said the blue jerseys hit different at home fire. And I said, hey, Dom Frederick, hey, Marquis stole your different thing. If they do a morale tweet, you better call Colin Cubs <laughs> lawyer. And, uh, and I, I looked further into this Marquis sports tweet, uh, you know, about the hitting different. And um, people, uh, Rhett R. said, so glad they more or less banned these grotesque softball tops at home. It'd be great if they banned them altogether. 
or at least replace the walking bear with a C-U-B-S or bullseye cubs. And uh, Marquee Network was like, Rhett, stop. Like, they literally <laughs> said that to Rhett, stop. It when seems like they know him personally. Yeah. What are you going to do, though, when Rhett has Orko as his uh, avatar? <laughs> I don't even know who Orko is. Or- Orko is from the Masters of the Universe He-Man cartoon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well. yeah. So you know, you know, they're a little reticent to talk shit to He Man's friend. So Marquis is engaging, though. Marquis Network's engaging, and then like there's more of it. Uh, Jeff Morehouse wrote in. He said the blue jerseys suck at home, and Marquis says, "Did you win your fantasy football league this year?" <laughs> Jeff was like, "Yes." Thanks for reminding me. I need to change that to three time. Nobody cares about your fantasy football team, Jeff. Go, come, uh, go, though, is what Marquis says. And Jeff's like, you asked, get back on Hulu, and then you can try to be funny. Marquis's like, working on it. And then Meatball says, hit different, good one. I see you have a 24-year-old running this page. Now I know why Len Casper jumped ship. Don't blame him. And what I'm wondering is, who is winning the marquee? Is that like Crane Kenny? <laughs> like back there, like, <laughs> the marquee Twitter just like get mad. Like, did they get did did marquee loan their Twitter account to Trump? I'm just like, telling you, bad. Like, what is happening? Like, why are they being? Why is Marquee Network being snarky with people? Like, in a you know what, though, I, I like it a little bit. I like it when you get to be a little bit edgy sometimes. Like, seriously, it's edgy. It's bitchy and. And so you're going to take some shit from some guy bragging about his fantasy football championship. Fuck no, you him. don't engage. You just don't talk to those people. That's what, like, I, I you know, I was going to engage with the, you know, fan of Jesus through Mary guy. And I realized it wasn't worth my time. And right, you know, right now, our key guy would think the same thing. Right now, what I can tell you is those guys are getting so much shit. Like almost as if Jed Hoyer went up to the guy running at Cubs and said, what do you think about giving two million to John Lester? And the guy running at Cubs like, nah, we can't do that. Like it's his fault. Like he had anything to fucking do with that situation. Well, I hate when people say that shit though. Like, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't blame those guys. Nobody's blaming those people, but that's our only outlet to show our displeasure to the Ricketts is through that. Twitter, they don't, you know, it, yeah, it's kind of sucks for them, but they should have at least enough sense of who they are to know that when we're like, fuck you, spend some goddamn money, we know it's not Joe making $12 an hour sitting, you know, in a fucking, I don't know, data basement somewhere. No, but it's a real job, though. I mean, being at Marquee, being, I mean, those are real front-facing organizations. It's a real job that I wish the fuck I had. Well, th- well there's a I reason I don't job. have it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally job. handle that job. They'd love yeah. me. I, I don't even retweet you. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jesus, I'm like, ooh, Michael's going off the rails there. <laughs> like, get, get involved in that. But uh, no, I mean it's, but it's a real job, and and you know, so I think you are a front front face facing part of the organization, but you are not 
showing these tweets to Tom Ricketts while he's out at dinner. You're like, Tom, I got to tell you, this guy's really mad that we got. I, I know. I just think it's wondering why you traded Quintana. It is. It, it's ridiculous on the one hand when people ask very specific, dumb questions like that, but it's ridiculous on the other hand, when people defend them, like, you know, it's just, it's we just, all know who that fucking yeah, person yeah, is. I mean, they're just fucking, they're, they're just scrolling through like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like literally, it's just one of those things that who gives a fuck? Like the blue jerseys at home versus the, like seriously, like, you know what I mean? Like, I guess, like, if I was running that Twitter kind of like, dude, get a fucking life. I, I would probably do the same. I, I would, that guy's being much nicer than I would be, is the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, which is also why you don't have the job. So, uh, I I would post a link for actual Cubs pajamas, and I'd just be like, "Oh, you like Cubs pajamas? Why don't you spend a little money, motherfucker? Like here, yeah. here's the link. Yeah, you can read it out of the, the Cubs thong. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, you in a thong, I think would sell a lot of thongs, Crawley. Um, so, does anybody have any more? Because I've got a couple. Yeah, I got one. I got one more. All right. Well, uh, let me go. Let me double up here. And this one's brief. Uh, Bleacher Nation uh, retweeted Owen Casey, who or Kaisi, I think is how you say his name, who is the uh, one of the new uh, the guys we got for you, Darvish, one of the teenagers. And he was out in uh, Sloan Park in Mesa. And he had tweeted out a picture of him at Sloan headquarters out in Mesa. And he says, no better view in the world at Cubs. Fly the W Cub together. And Eddie Jackson burner account says players are allowed to arrive at the complex early. I thought that wasn't allowed. And then I clicked on that Owen Kaisi tweet and it was gone because players are probably not allowed. And Owen Kaisi's first act as a cub was to tweet an illicit picture that they told him he had to delete. So poor guy. (laughs) MLB has made it very clear that nobody is to be at facilities at all. But that there's a picture. Yep. That's what the at Cubs guy has to do. Yeah, that's what fucking he's got his number on speed dial. Owen, Owen, take that shit down. Take that yeah. shit down. Quick. So this is a true story. Uh the true story story time will cry real fast, real fast story time. But uh what ended up happening one time, uh I'm you know, I'm a season ticket holder, I'm at my seats and I was oh. I was I, I was I was pretty drunk and um Really? Yep. And what ends up happening is this old, like they had like season ticket holder of the day, of the, of the day, dog, blah, 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 is throwing the first pitch. And it was like this like 65 year old guy, like just like bouncing it in like a four bouncer. And so I just took a picture and I send it to my ticket rep at the time. He's moved on to, you know, a better position at the Cubs. And I'm like, why do these old balls keep getting to throw when I can throw a strike and I don't ever get to get the first pitch? And he literally came, I don't know where he was at, but he literally came like, you have to take it down. You have to take it down. He was all like, because like, you can't insult other season ticket holders. I'm like, ah, for oh, my God. Oh, man. You can't insult season ticket holders. Who can you fucking assault? <laughs> Story time with Crawley, with Crawley, with Crawley. I see him every now and then at Cubs Con. We still get a good laugh out of it. Like, like, dude, you remember the time you sprinted my deceased to try to get me to delete the tweet about the old guy throwing the fucking four bouncer? Yeah. See, now we're all used to insulting each other. That wouldn't go down like now. Um, so I, I got this one. 
Um, Joey Banks, Ernie Banks' son. I definitely <laughs> see him on Facebook. And, the, you know, I didn't I didn't screenshot, you know, what this is all about. But I believe it has something to do with Donald Trump leaving office as the president of the United States. And Joey Banks said, bye, fuckhead. <laughs> and Carrie said, Joey Banks, I agree. But watch the language, Joey. And Joey Banks said, Carrie Colleen, LOL. Goodbye, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Made it so much better. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. Very nice. Yeah, Mike Spoke writes in, Crawley, you are like Chris Farley, remember the time. Yeah, pretty much like Crawley a couple of beers in just gets real reminisce Hey, you remember, you remember when you were with the Beatles? That was awesome. <laughs> that was so, awesome. Is there, do we have another one? I got, yeah, I got one more here. So uh, this came on the news that John Lester signed with Washington and in the uh, replies we get JG4287, Ricketts and McCaskey playing Hold My Beer. Yeah. Uh, so, because, yeah. Ugh, yeah, those teams. We have such a great bunch of teams in our town. Will, or at <laughs> Moist Bill, Moist. says, I'm not emotionally ready for the Cubs to trade Chris Bryant. And ranter Don Cunningham said, then call yourself Theopatra, fan of denial. <laughs> Which I was like, that's freaking brilliant. Theopatra, fan of denial. Denial. Um, you win the week. Really, I should send you something, Don, because that was incredible. I feel like Moist Bill is Bill Sugas's burner account. Uh you know, because he's he's always working out. He's always moist. So. You know, when somebody just somebody just brought up, we just brought up the Bears, and I. I <laughs> oh God! Here we go. Wait, hold on. Wait. Meatball, my friend Meatball Mike. We remember Meatball Mike. Are you coming on the show too? Oh God! Meatball Mike <laughs> is as meatbally a Chicago sports fan there is. He, I think, he literally burned his Trubisky jersey, and. Meatball, Meatball Mike wrote a letter. This is how pissed he was. Wrote a letter to the Bears, completely bitching him out for not firing Pace and Nagy and, 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 and Ted Phillips and all this shit, right? He gets a letter back from the Bears. Bayer stationery from George McCaskey. The, when the you president. say he wrote a letter, he wrote a letter. He wrote a physical letter. Found a stamp. Yes. <laughs> yeah, great. Bitching them out how embarrassed he is to be a Bears fan, and and George McCaskey wrote him back and said, "Hey, you know what? We're really sorry that you feel that way. We hope to make good moves in the future that are going to make this team better and make you proud to be a Bears fan again." And that's the whole thing, man. Is is like you know, as as, as, as Chicago fans, we love our team for passionate. That's why we're ranting. We're ranters, right? But but the whole thing is. Have some fucking balls. Don't make a big deal out of it. Don't be so thin-skinned. Imagine oh. being – imagine, like, okay, the Bears have a Twitter guy. Who's the Bears just taking actual mail guy? <laughs> Snail mail guy. <laughs> but can you imagine that, though? Like, seriously, you, you you know, and Tom Ricketts has way more money than the, than the McCaskies. The, only, the McCaskies' only claim to fame was owning the Bears. Like, they don't, they didn't have a side business that made them tons of money. And so it's like, you know what, Tom? Toughen up, Buttercup. Really, just, just sit there and say, hey, fans, 
I realize it. We kind of overextended ourselves. We're going to get back to it. Don't worry. Please have faith in us. We're going to make you – you know what I mean? Just don't be so bitter and angry at fans when they have a right to be bitter and angry about the situation. It's the in-between that's driving me nuts. Either be the evil, crazy owner, you know, like your Steinbrenner. Like, how fun is that for a Yankee fan to have this guy that's just like, I'll do what I want, you know. Oh, you're hired. You're fired. You know, Billy Martin, we're going to hire you three times during the season. Like, how crazy is that to be a Yankee fan and go through all that shit? You know, we've been through a lot of stuff in, in, with the Chicago Cubs, but right now we're getting just played for suckers and we're not being told what's going on. You know, honest, man. So, like at least telegraph us to to us your plan. Don't just leak out that oh, I, I got no money in the press. You know who has no money? Me. You know, <laughs> right? Nobody, right. Wants Nobody wants to hear it, Tom. Like, you know who? When, has- when Tom is covered up in a cardboard box, actually sitting on the sidewalk outside of Wrigley, then we'll be like, you got no money. I got a futon for you right here, Tom. Like, you're never, you'll never want. For anything, it's a short walk to work. You live right here. It's no problem. It's a, it's a really nice futon. I can I can vouch. Yeah. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Nobody wants to hear it, and so like for that to be the thing is just really out of touch with the people that uh, that they're trying to reach. Um, but uh, I'll I'll transition from that by saying I really appreciate all of you Patreon supporters that have been with us. This whole time through the 60-game season, the crappy year that uh, everybody had in the, the, you know, the, the, the long and arduous offseason of uh, getting rid of all of our favorite players. But thanks for sticking with us. We're going to have fun. Uh, we're less than a month away from pitch- pitchers and catchers. So if you'd like to jump on the Patreon feed, it's at patreon.com slash sunranto, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash sunranto. Jump on the feed there for as little as a dollar a month. You can be a, uh early and ad-free listener to the podcast. And, uh, and, and as much as I love to bitch about this shit, man, I, my dream is just to be back at Wrigley. Like that's, that's home. And so any ranter that comes around, man, I'd love to see you at lucky doors or Nisei or wherever, have a beer, have a shot on the lower and, and just be happy that we got through this bullshit. Yeah. And, and, and Stuart too, we had him on uh, about seven hours ago on this show. <laughs> and, and he was, yeah, we had a lovely conversation with him about what he's doing at Club 400. There's just a lot of people that we missed this year, and we I definitely appreciate all the people that have stuck with us this whole time. Only a couple more weeks, and we're at Pitchers and Catchers. So um, we got a couple more shows, and then we got the spring training games, and it'll be here before you know it. And uh, as much as the bad news is that the Cubs are getting rid of all of our favorite players and um, – we got Boog. <laughs> we got we got the Boog coming. <laughs> I mean, what a perfect guy to be there for a bad time because he's not going to mince words. You know, he's, he's when the team sticks, he's going to say it. Dude. So maybe it's one thing that they did right. But either way, I, I think you mean Mister Shiambi. Yeah, no, I mean Mister Boog. We 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 don't say those words. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Patreon.com slash Sunranto. Uh, anything else to say? Because I'm done. What are we What are we going out with? Well, first of all, Kaplan's going to give us his Bukog. <laughs> Bukog. Which is, you know, that's going to that's going to start us out there. Um, I think we'll we'll go out with Lester Day, which I wrote right after the Cubs signed him, and it was a big 
hit for me, and I and a lot of people told me when I re-released this after the National signed him, they told me he goes, "That's the first song I remember you writing." And that, you know, that from then on in, I listened to everything and people got in touch with me about it. Anyway, they said it was a meaningful moment. Obviously, I didn't write the song. It's a parody of the Beatles yesterday, which now makes this podcaster get a, uh, a, a, a ding <laughs> on uh, YouTube and Twitter and all of it. You know, but that's OK. Paul McCartney needs a little bit more money. He's, you know, knighthood is not cheap. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> all those like. Suits of armor he has to own now. His uh, one-legged ex-wife still gets money. You know that's that's all that's all goes to her. So you have uh, a song about that as well. Yeah, I got to talk about that. We will play that today, <laughs> but I will play yesterday, yesterday, and then I I'll, I'm at the end of it. I'm going to play Doug Glanville talking about managers, uh, becoming a manager in the major leagues. It's a four-minute clip, so uh, stick with that after the song. And uh, uh, Spookog, as uh, Dave Kaplan would say. Spookog. Spookog. <laughs> Less today. The World Series seems so far away. Now I can't wait for opening day 2015. Starts last a day Suddenly The Cubs have an ace Who's our lefty Can't wait to watch him pitch At Wrigley John Lester Is a Cubby Thank you To Theo Cause you got John Lester paid We told MLB we came to play Plus we stole Joe Madden from the race And last year we ripped off the A's Cubs are spending Joe Montero behind the plate It's been Today, the Cubs could be in a pennant race. The damn Cardinals in second place. Oh, I believe in Lester Day. Lester Day. My first article I ever wrote for The Athletic was about managerial hiring and the one thing that i kept coming back with that was cool with sandy alderson we used to have these discussions was let's just look at the timeline this is this is sort of indicative of how kind of american business can work in a very shadowy but sometimes even unintended way but it just sort of can have these racial implications so let's look at let's go back to 1987 al campanis says what he says right on nightline I think it was Ted Koppel. And he says something about, you know, blacks don't have the capabilities or something about managing, right? So he got 
buried for this incendiary quote about not being capable or managers, right? But there was, I listened to the whole interview not long ago. And before he says something about capabilities and swimming and all that, he actually says, uh, basically like, but I'm going to summarize, but black folks aren't willing to go to the miners and pay their dues and go up the chain to be managers. It was sort of like that. And I thought that was actually became more compelling than even the kind of racially inflammatory comments because he was saying, okay, you're not in the pipeline and you're not paying your dues. So therefore, you know, how are we going to hire you? Now, even though he knew they control the pipeline or whatever, it was just sort of stated that way. So this is 40 years after Jackie Robinson broke in. That was the anniversary. And that's kind of what he said. Robinson's last speech publicly in baseball is in Cincinnati where he said, I want to see blackface in the coach's box, something like that. Right. So 87, it comes out. Now, gradually over time, these minor leagues start to kind of fill up with diversity, diverse candidates, Latin, Latin America, and gradually out. Now, think about where this actually goes. What happens in sort of the mid, late 2000s, right, 2012, 11, like Mike Matheny when he gets hired, right around there with the Cardinals. The pipeline fills up with diverse candidates, and then the analytics revolution tells them that you don't need experience anymore. And so they all, all of a sudden the power structure says, wait a minute, wait, wait, no, you don't need all this pipeline minor league stuff. You just can be groomed and be a special assistant that's handpicked by the organization. We'll train you for three years and we'll laterally move you to be a manager. That's it. And it coincided with the pipeline finally being diverse. And so as a person of color, you look at that and it feels like a conspiracy. Like you're, you're just moving the shell game around, but it was tied to this true revolution around analytics. Now that's always been there to some degree, but not like it was. And so if you don't have the systematic checks to go, Oh, I, I need to have sort of equity audits in these policies to kind of see that it, it may be pernicious. It may be unintended, but there's a, there's this constant river flowing that kind of can create these discriminatory outcomes. Right. And, and so in this case you have, all right, so think about all the managers that were hired, right? Mike Matheny, Matheny, Robin Ventura, Walt Weiss, Craig Council, Dan Jennings, da 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 da. Every single manager that was a beneficiary was a former player who had zero experience that was white. I mean, that's how it sort of played out, and the, and there was like nine or so hires in a row. Now go and I did the research and I go back in time and look at the local newspapers of when these managers were hired. Now, these are great players, highly respected, qualified. It's just that the, the rules of qualification had shifted and it, and it ended up excluding certain people because there wasn't a player from who grew up in the Dominican Republic who was a special assistant to the Colorado Rockies. That wasn't happening. It was in Colorado Springs. So go back to these local newspapers and a lot of the papers said, uh, you know, and I used it in the article, Walt Weiss. He's like, well, it, oh, being having experience is a negative thing. Like it, it literally changed even in the media coverage of it, that it became a negative. And, and that was a totally antithetical to what Campanis was arguing. 